What's up, everyone? If you want to support the podcast, please like, rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to go that extra mile, you got to go to patreon.com slash 185 miles south. You can also go to paypal.me slash 185 miles south if you want to donate that way. It is time to shout out to all the current Patreons. Much love. I love all you guys. Thank you for helping me out making this happen. Uh, going alphabetically, Adam Heckman, Adrian Gonzalez, Albert Moreno, Alex Pion, Andy Francher, the mighty, mighty Andy Die Hard, Anthony McCullough, Carl Valdez, Casey Weisenbacher, Charlie Alvarez, Christopher Holden, Big D Daniel, didn't put a last name, Davi Rivas, Donovan Coffey, Dustin Vogel, Emil uh, Gilmanov, or Emil Gilmanov, sorry about that, bro, you the man, Greg Cornwell, Heather Wailea, Jacob Mendez, Jawabos Moran, that's Rob, what's up, Rob, go to Heartwork Coffee in San Diego, Jason Rules, Max McDonald, Mike Paras, Rick, no last name again, Robert Cole, Stephen Wailea, and my main man, Michael Wolf, holding it down, Nardcore in Portland. Thank you for the support, and uh, here we go. Five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. What's up, everyone? Uh, it's another episode of us choosing the greatest records of a decade um, with Daniel Sant from Over Over My Dead Body OMDP. Already fucking it up. Already fucking it up. And Greg Sirwanka. Not an easy name either. Of the mighty, take offense. Rolls off the tongue. So OMGB was never mighty. I see. Oh, shade. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like the second guy that gets introduced always gets the extra adjective because he goes second because you introduce the headliner first. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> A theory. A theory is born. Um, on the last pod for the LPs of the eighties. We forgot to put Sick of It All, Blood, Sweat, No Tears into the Hall of Fame. Yes, we and did. That was an LP we all agreed on. And a surprisingly, in the year 2019, can we say a criminally underrated record? No, nah, I think if you put on Sick of if you ask a younger kid what Sick of It All record they like, it's always going to be Blood, Sweat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That it, it's probably going to be their only record, or they're only going to be like, yeah, I only like the LP in the seven inch. That's interesting all. because with so much like '90s worship, I mean, and maybe we'll get into it in our list this week, but I feel isn't it weird that Scratch the Surface hasn't been like circled back to? It it's well, we're gonna get to it. Let, yeah. Let's stay on Blood Sweat because Scratch the Surface is severely okay. in my list. Okay. Um, so let's talk about Blood Sweat No Tears. We. We also have the 7-inch. Uh, it was on your list for the 
Seven Inches of the 80s. And Greg and I said we didn't have it on our list because we thought the LP was so much better. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about why we think it's so much better. I think that sonically it's better. I think that they actually benefit from more songs. Like the whole record's a ripper without falling off. Yeah, and, and it helps that some songs are 40 seconds long, you know? Totally. But they're complete. They're not just throwaway songs. They're complete songs at 40 seconds long, you know? The LP has, like, hits that went on the 7-inch, like, It's My Life. It's My Life, Little My Way. I think you can tell that the band have been working the material for a couple of years too, like live playing it, getting it refined to where they get the energy level right. Cause they, you know, they were all about the floor getting the whole crowd participation going. Sure. So I think, you know, doing the seven ish and then what's the year difference. It's like two year difference. It's 87 and 89. Correct. Yeah, so as KRS One tells us, exactly. Oh, yeah, and then also you have a record where you get fucking KRS One to do possibly the coolest intro in a hardcore track ever, and it's just effortless to just how they set that up. Just as this being one of my introductions to like hardcore in general, like getting into this record, I thought there was going to be much more crossover with hip hop like artists, and th- you know, I was expecting like, yeah, you know, when's the you know, is Rakim coming out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or, this it doesn't sound corny at all. No, it just sound it's just totally it's like you. Yeah, you don't even set, you don't even question it. You don't second guess it. You're like, yeah, absolutely. Like it's fucking clobbering time right now. How old is the singer when this album comes out? Like he sounds so grown. And it's almost like a, his voice, when you think about it, it's like not a traditional yelling voice. It's just like oh, a literally. grown man, like almost like talking loud voice. It's, I don't, it's the power of the rat tail. Because <laughs> at the time he had that yeah. crazy flat top rat tail combo. Yeah, well, the bass like... player on this album has a, a more atrocious haircut. Oh, he's got that <laughs> sick, sick kind of just metal bangs, kind yeah. of mullethin, which is the just a hard when, look. When people animate, like... Metal dude, yeah, that, that haircut, haircut. absolutely, yeah. Uh, I was say with Lou, I don't know. I feel like he's he like looks the same. Like that dude doesn't I know. look yeah, like he, he ages much age. at all, man. That's crazy, huh? Yeah, um, his style though, like with the pegged jeans, with the high tops, and the just the yo, what's up, everybody? Like, yeah, he is a front man. Like, yeah, oh, so sick, yeah. Yeah, I would say, too, how the group vocals are recorded on this record, too, are just so ignorantly hard. They they are blueprint. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you want something to sound like, for lack of a better term, it's like either they release the inmates to work with the construction workers that come in <laughs> to do the, the backups. That's what it should sound like. Yeah. I think it's also another, like, touch-all basis records, too. Like, it's still still fast enough for your punk dude to like it still sing along enough for your oi dude to like it and then it's just got still hard enough for like dudes to just clear the floor too so yeah gi joe head song exactly <laughs> oh, fuck yeah I yeah you got that, that and then you got like the wild fastness of like rat pack and, exactly you know. and it just all blends then, perfectly you don't ever guess it just 
and, and getting into it after the record has come out, obviously, the looking at um, all those snapshot pictures from that they amalgamated into like the yeah artwork. the whole broken glass type thing yeah. too yeah and you're just seeing all these like just sick wild ny dudes and you you already know that's what a hardcore show should be and you are dying to be there but not quite in the mix <laughs> you want to be just on the outside or at least i did i was like fuck those dudes look crazy yeah yeah and i think the whole why what, okay, what you said earlier about um, is it criminally underrated? I still think it's definitely the go-to for the younger younger kids for the sake of it all record. But do and, they go to it? Oh, I, th- I think they do. That's good. Yeah, I think they do. Like, I've seen shit. I've been in Richmond multiple times where G.I. Joe Head Stomp was, was covered, like, more than once that night. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think... There's the younger kids that are like totally want that sound and style of just like hard, fast, like sing along style things. And then absolutely they do not <coughs> gravitate towards any of like the mid 90s era sick of it all shit at all. That's weird because, again, we'll get to the 90s. We can talk about it then maybe, but we should discuss like. We can roll into it from here. Okay. Well, that's true. We can roll right in. How about a transition, dude? Yeah. Um, bands that did three great LPs. Sigvaral is one of them. The first three LPs. Right? Yeah. There's, there's not many. Get a beer. <laughs> there's not many that can claim three perfect records, you know? And their first three LPs, I think, are quite perfect. I would... Uh... I would love in some like alternate alternate reality or universe to, to hear like the production level of just look around on blood sweat. Yeah. That would sound fucking crazy. Cause the way uh just look around sounds is fucking awesome. Yeah, it'll sound like when uh Suicidal Tendencies re recorded all the classics. Yeah, true. You can never capture Oh, I don't know. No, if you only heard it the first time like that, not exactly. not a revisit. Um, I still want to hear it like that. But though. that's the thing that makes that Sick of All LP, The Blood of the Sweat No Tears, like, so rad, is like, it is harder sounding than Youth of Today, but it still is like, just as like punk sounding. Like, it's just harder, but it's still like, it didn't, the hardness, it did not go like, metally. It's just hard. No, it's that perfect late 80s New York hardcore sound, which, again, I feel like registers more with younger kids every time. Yeah. Younger kids in a post-terror hardcore world. Exactly. Because, you know, terror is so referential to this record. Um, you know, it being... To this one or just look around? I would say to to all... Especially this record more, even though they probably sonically sound a bit more like some of the songs on Just Look Around. Yeah, I feel like Just Look Around is definitely the underrated, underappreciated record. I think it's the best of the three. Yeah. Personally. Daniel? Well, on my list for today, I have... Both cheating. Uh, oh, you cheated now. Both put just look around slash. Well, let's go right surface. into it. Let's kick off the. Uh, let's kick off the best LPs in the nineteen nineties. 
and go right in. And so your first two selections are, so you can roll just like around. As one choice. As one choice. Because I am a, a sneaky. But, I mean... As I got into Sick of It All, it was probably literally right when Scratch the Surface came out. Okay. Which is, do you have the year written now? 94. 94. So just like around 92, 91? I think it's 92. Okay. But it, it might be 91. But and, and when is the live album? Live in a world full of hate or whatever? Yeah, the, that, the Lost and Found? That's about six months after Scratch the Surface, I think. Okay. And that is so good. So killer. <laughs> Last chance to dance, everybody. Yeah. I always, if I hear Betray, even by minor threat, I think about on the break, Lou saying Last Chance to Dance. Yeah. Like, it's ingrained in my head. But, um, so then I retroactively skipped Just Look Around, went to Blood Sweat, and then to Just Look Around. Yeah. Come in. Hello? And okay. then <laughs> that was uh, that was Lou. That was my four thirty. <laughs> you you got to break. Maybe we should. Yeah. 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 So uh, we just took a small break to uh, top up all the massive funds from the Patreon and uh, throw a, a huge party. No, it's because Greg is purging my employees, and we're f- it's not easy. Uh, actually, your employee wanted to leave. Because he was not being challenged, and he, he wasn't getting the right mental stimulation. No, he got butt hurt of being he, a painter. He got butt hurt because he was fucking on his phone all the time, and he finally got told. All right, let, let's cut this. I was just joking about the Patreon. No, we'll cut. <laughs> For the Max Wood Max Wood Co podcast, <laughs> the airing of grievances. All right, so I initially got into scratch the surface, um, Don is very uh, prominent in my formation of, like, transitioning from listening to more, like, punk into hardcore being my main, like, interest. How buff was Don in that era? <laughs> I love that this is always yeah, a question. Yeah, it's always a recurring question. He looks pretty much the same as he does now. Yeah. Okay. And just as grumpy. Um, so a slender, a slender, grumpy Don. Yeah. But, um, so, Scratch the Service, like, blew my mind because transitioning out of like being into punk and then you know step down and a few other songs on there that just give you that melody and and keep you going from moving on from like kind of melodic punk songs into that were really a great transition point so then piggybacking or going back to blood sweat and no tears and being like wham yeah (laughs) just Punch you in the face. Yeah, like, brick to the head. What yeah. year was their first Warped Tour? Do you guys know? That year. The 94. Okay. And that's when... Scratch. It was either 94 or 95. It was the first year. Um, them and Siv were both on it. Gotcha. They did the whole tour? 
Yeah. Okay. Because a lot of like the, I feel like a lot of the Warp Tour dates, like the East Coast Warp Tour dates, had like hardcore bands, but those bands never came out to the West. Yeah. Sick of it all were though. Like they we were, were just we were just talking about it while you like stepped away. Mm-hmm. Sick of it all in '94, like Rancid played under them. Mm-hmm. Sick of it all could fill Soma, like to capacity by themselves easily. And um, which is what twelve hundred people? The old Soma, yeah, probably twelve hundred, fifteen hundred, maybe. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, because the old one is where I would have seen the Descendants reunions, and those were huge. The ones in, in Bay Park. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What label did uh, Just Look Around come out on? Anyone know? I think it. It was it like in effect, something like that. Because Scratch the Surface was the first on like Roadrunner, right? Or that was the episode. No, Scratch the right. Surface is on East West. Oh. Oh, okay. Um, just look around. I'm not sure because it, it never got pressed on vinyl until, you know, there was that like really cool Euro uh, boot ish mm-hmm. pressing. It might not even be boot, but it's the Euro pressing of the vinyl. But so then. From there, I go to listen to Just Look Around, kind of, you know. Don makes me a tape of basically everything, sick of it all, on one tape. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Not yet. I'm not in the Navy yet, but I'm digging sick of it all. And then I go away to the Navy, and then that tape, like, I just fall into a sick of it all, like, you know, worship. Yeah, Blood, Sweat, No Tears on In Effect. Just look around on relativity. Yeah, that's right, relativity. And uh, scratch the surface east west. Yeah, nailed it, dude. Yeah, and live in a world full of hate, lost and found, nineteen ninety three. Yeah, same year as uh, scratch the surface. Okay, yeah. I got that one right. Yeah, I thought uh, scratch the surface was ninety four, but yeah, that ninety four is right when I got into it. So it must have been late ninety three when it came out. Um, but. You know, they, they came with Rancid and both bands were starting to really... It's, Discogs is wrong. It's 93, but that's when the cassette promo came out. Oh, okay. It's 94. Yeah. On okay. East, West, and all over, and then also Equal Vision. Yeah, Equal Vision did the, did the final. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was terrible radio right there. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was some not doing your homework shit. On my part. Well, I, I, I didn't I didn't bring my notes down with me this time. Like, I knew that you were going to see it all though, so I should have had notes on it. Did you guys cheat and look at my list when I was gone? No. Did you? Negatron, bro. Alright, cool. Um but yeah, so Scratch the Surface like has those and actually let's stop for a second and just talk about Craig Ahead's bass tone on Scratch the Surface. It's great. I think it might be the best bass tone of any hardcore record ever. Wow. Especially on Scratch the Surface, the song. Like, fuck. Yeah, Go ahead and drop that in right now. <laughs> he's one of those, uh, other than being like a complete animal on stage too, live, I mean, he's able to still get that like complete low end, but you get the attack still on that, which is super important. Yeah, that red bass <laughs> that's been through yeah, the, the wars. Iconic, yeah, the iconic. Yeah, everything. Does it he have the sounds best? Sounds amazing. Does he have the best hardcore discography? Craig ahead. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, as much as a gross person, Porcel's 
pretty up there as well. I don't know. Straight ahead. Y-O-T. Youth of the Day. Break down the walls, right? Yep. Okay. Then One Voice. Did he put in any Warzone shit? Like, was he... I don't think... I. I don't think he's on any records. Yeah, but he might have like played a, a gig. No, okay, I don't know. I don't think he did. But then that, one voice, and then joining the single Yeah, I mean that's that's four. Okay, so what's yeah, Port, what's Rushmore? Right? I know. So what's Porcel? Well, Youth the and Judge, and then Pro- what you like Project X. Project X. Okay, and uh, don't forget Last of the Famous. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> Some or what? What about? Just, let's not discuss it. It's what terrible. about No Surrender? That was a band he was in. He sang. They played Posse Numbers. Yeah, I'd take it back. Craig had triple <laughs> suplexes right. him off the top of the steel cage. Yeah. Ray and Porcel 7-inch, which side do you like more? Uh, I just like the drummer. <laughs> Jeez. That's the easy way out. Broken Glass, I like better. That's a good lead. I like the lead. What? We can segue into one of my picks. Do it, dude. Now. And that is One Voice. And what year is One Voice? 92. Well, yeah. right before we get to that, let's just talk about the ill sound of Just Look Around. Because we kind of touched on the on Scratch the Surface. Oh, I, but yeah, I forgot this was like a twofer. Yeah. Two it was Daniel pick. cheating like usual. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, but the Just Look Around, it sounds like murky and dirty New York. Like the underbelly. You know, they've got all those kind of samples sounding in, which then influences... Oh, by the way, we haven't talked about the Hall of Fame. Um, it influences a Hall of Fame record for sure. Um, just look around, influences set it off. Yeah, we'll talk. Oh, you're right. We should have gone Hall of Fame first, yeah. huh? Okay, before we do one voice, then. <laughs> Sorry, Craig. Okay. Here we go. That's no, okay. I was going to say also a highlight track off of Just Look Around is the song Locomotive. Yes. Which I fucking wish they would they would bust out. When we were on a tour with them, I kept asking Craig, I'd be like, he please play locomotive tonight. And what did he say? <laughs> and he was just like, "I'm always down." He's like, "But it's, it's Armand." And Armand and doesn't want to play. He it? said it was Armand or something. Did he go and talk to Armand? No, no problem. <laughs> no, he's like, "Shut up, Craig." Leave me alone. <laughs> okay, but Craig had Craig had two step in on stage with that bass is ill. Yeah. What does he play? Does he play a Fender P or he yeah, plays it's a Fender a, P? Yeah, the hardcore bass. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, before we get to One Voice, let's do the 1990s 185 Miles South Hardcore LP Hall of Fame. All right, first... In the uh, 1990s Hall of Fame is Powerhouse No Regrets CD. Right? That's the greatest fucking record of the 90s. Unfortunately, it didn't come out on vinyl. Although, safe inside, where are you at? I know. What's up, Bert? It's going in there for me. Um, 
No, but for real, we only got two, um, which is different from there was a lot in the 80s. And we have Madball set it off. And also, hate breed, satisfaction is the death of desire. There should be a couple more records here in the Hall of Fame, but we've got very differing tastes. So there aren't a couple that are in the hall that truly are in a nineties Hall of Fame that are yeah. not going to be. And hopefully with the <laughs> Hall of Fame, I don't want to add anything to that because it's slim pickings for me when it comes to nineties hardcore, baby. Is it? The nineties hardcore LPs were hard for you. Yeah, I mean, shot. People listening to this, uh, some of my choices might be like, well, that's not a hardcore record or, oh, no, they weren't, they weren't, they never came out here or blah, blah, blah. But, you know, here's a shocker for you. Um, Hardcore always keeps evolving and younger generations get involved into it. Shut up, old man, is what Greg's saying. Pretty much. (laughs) Or you scratch your head and be like, well, they like that now? And it's just like, well, yeah. And this record... That might have been a dud or slept on at the time or might have been laughed at or been like, oh, that sounds stupid because it's not this. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You know, every band that's saying that they're a hardcore band from 2010 to whatever is completely studying this one record. So you have to give it its due, in my opinion. Fair enough. So let's go into... But, but as we discussed earlier, like, it's all relative, right? So yeah, everything. every hardcore band... 2010 on is living in a world that terror blew hardcore apart kind of you know so they the influence is there and then terror's influences of these somewhat may have been regarded as niche records or whatnot are you know it, it's it's just a very relative thing because we were discussing while the mics were off that if uh in the pre-internet world of like you take what you get that comes to town and those are the bands that you either fuck with or don't. Like, it's a very different thing. You're like fiending to go to shows. You're loving it, but you know, some math core hardcore band comes through, and that's not your shit at all. But you go watch it, and you can, oh, I can find something in that, or you can go outside. Yeah, and why talk do to I still friends. like? Why do I still like Grimlock twenty years later? Yeah, fuck. Yeah, I mean, I. Because they killed it live. And (laughs) then on the 7-inch, it was like literally... I don't know, it just delivered. I am angry all the time. The nerd nerd in me likes the band name. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. That should have been a San Diego thing. Grimlock should have caught on. Okay, let's get to Agnostic Front, One Voice. This is... We haven't finished the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Oh, you want to talk... We should talk about the Hall of Fame right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's just do it so it's out of the way so people aren't throwing the phone against the wall going, they didn't fucking put set it off in their list? Yeah, Yeah. okay. Okay, Mammal set it off. Yeah. The greatest hardcore album ever. Yeah, you sum it up. There's not one fucking dud. It never stops. There's not a sleeper on it. It is perfect all the way through. Yeah, and still drawing like 
direct influence from going back to like Victim and Pain and and United Blood. Like they still have songs with like that beat, you know, it's like but sonically it's just next level sounding. Like some of that stuff they do, Greg, I don't even know how they do it on guitar. Like it sounds like chuggy, but they're not like palm muting. Yeah, he's just uh Matt Henderson He's just kind he's of a wizard. <laughs> yeah, he's just muting. Yeah, like what's he doing on on uh, New York City? Yeah, it's just like. Yeah, no, I think the one part. Um... Like the yeah, verses, yeah. the verses. He's just he's muting all the strings. Yeah, he's muting just... all the strings, and he's just like attacking it. Yeah, you know, so you just get that like. And with that level of production, it's just like, what the fuck? This sounds so sonically. Because I asked them when we did that, set it off tour with them. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, man, I'm going to try not to pick your brain every night. And also shout out to Matt Anderson. He's one of the fucking coolest dudes ever. Um, And a side shout out. um, One of the greatest interviews I ever read was on the Livewire. Like when they had that uh, website going. They did this super long interview with Matt Henderson, and if you're interested about him, you should Google it because it takes all the way through from like blind approach all the way up to the present. Are you sh- are you thinking the double crossed? Yes, yeah. same thing. So yeah, like oh, double crossed yeah, okay. and Livewire. I think they were like hand in hand, right? Yeah, Livewire was Ed's record label, and uh, double cross is Tim McMahon, but they're like broskies. Yeah, okay, yeah, you yeah, know that they, they that live in each great. other's pocket. That interview kind of is insane. Yeah. It's like the greatest thing ever. Well, but but I asked them, you know, I was like, what was going on when you guys wrote Set It Off, you know? Cuz I asked them too with Agnostic Front's one voice, like how come that didn't catch on, right? Yeah. And he kind of just told me that at that time, you know, thrash like crossover style stuff, things with guitar solos, it's 92, like it had just been like done so much to where you know which this is fucking like sacrilege for me you know what like we can't put it we can't put a two minute solo in this song you know yeah but no people just were over it and then for them i think he was like we just wanted to just go neanderthal with it so not do not even fucking hitting the notes just kind of like muting the strings and just yeah, and only two years later. Only right? two years later. Yeah, so I think it was just to go really hard opposite direction. Well, still still aggressive and hard, but just make it just total thick Neanderthal sounding. What he, the best when he said Neanderthal, I was like that that kind of sums it up. Well, yeah. he also has the youthful energy of Freddie and Hoya, like exactly driving it. That they we want we want to play music that people are gonna fucking go through the wall for. You know, and I. I believe it might. Did Hoya play on the second seven inch? This I, yeah. this might be Hoya's first record because it's like it's definitely more. It's got the I, rhythm. I think he was. He's on, on the, the seven, inch. seven inch. I think so. He, Maybe he's on dropping many seconds. Yeah, he is. Right. He's. Oh, Jesus Christ! This is a terrible podcast. Sorry. <laughs> well, I think one of the coolest things too is I remember reading a quote from him. I think he said he wrote set it off mm-hmm. while he was like listening to rock him. Like he, like oh, he would just play so the beat sick. and he just like wrote the riff to it. Cause yeah. it is, it is uh, hip hop almost. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's the greatest all the way through. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it's the greatest hardcore record ever personally. Yeah. I, I don't think it is, but I think it is an amazing record. I also think Freddie's vocals get better later in life um 
I would love Hold It Down era Freddie to be singing on Set It Off and even though it would be clearer and it might not sound just as hard, it, I think it would have just so much more of the the swagger. I, I think I think I do think his voice gets better, but I think that like the juxtaposition of set it off that is like so raw but so well produced is the insanity of it. And Freddie like trying to find his voice on that record and singing like, kind of like hard. Like he's he's doing a voice, right? It's almost like well, he's nine. He's like nineteen on that record, right? Yes, which is fucking crazy. Yes, as well. And then I think that is also another. It's a it's it recorded. At, I want to say is at Normandy Sound, and it was like Don Fury was in there as well. So they got like the the blend of, of the one both. two punch. Right? Yeah, and I remember too uh, Henderson not liking the production on one voice but then when they did set it off a couple of years later kind of I, and i could be wrong but i want to say it was at normandy sound with don fury and it's like they they got it for for that one it's it, awesome it, yeah and did you ever have a system in your car like i had a system like with uh, when i had like a civic and an accord I had like the oh, I mean, the two. If you're big, gonna have you're gonna have one of those. You need the fucking system. Yeah, I mean, like, well, yeah, I had like the big bass shit in the sub, trunk. The you know, sub, like a total yeah. idiot. You know, like being all loud and stuff. And and the thing that sucks is when you put that in, like, you only listen to like albums that sound this big for like a couple years. Like, you're gonna start listening to like Little John and shit because it just sounds so good to bump it. Well, it's mixed. Yeah. And produced to be bumped. Yeah. And then, like, I would, like, only listen to, like, Madball and Hatebreed and shit in the car, you know, or hip-hop. And it's like, it's like there's no more listening to SSD in the car. Like, what's the point, you know? Yeah, I mean... But this is, like, one of those records that can hold up to, like, having a real system in your car. I never spent money on that stuff. I always just spent money on shoes. <laughs> like, always. Um, I. The great thing about this record, too, is, like... If you think back without the power of the record behind it, you look at the album cover and you're like, what? whoa. But dude, with so. the record, it, it, it. Finally, I got the tattoo because yeah. <laughs> you guys have had all the other tattoos. Well, Greg's got a DRI back piece. True. You know. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's. Um, no, the album it's cover is cover we all love perfect. It. And their logo is perfect, and it looks beautiful in that blue. Yeah, like against like the the black and gray of like the baby and the gun. And then the back is is that the that back is that photo of them the like dog. in an alley, and yeah, with Stigma's the dog. Stigma's got like the the Steelers hat, I believe. Yeah, yeah, they got like puffy jackets and like the high beanie, and it's like, dude, these guys are straight up gonna fuck me up. Yeah, <laughs> to, you know. To quote my man Colin, it's like find a flaw. Yeah, and that's you're not. You're no. not going to find a flaw on that one. No, I love it. Absolutely. Um, it's I feel the, like... bounce, the bounce Mad Ball brings is is really important, you know? Like, and having you say that he said he wrote that to, like, rock him. Like, that bounce. There are other bands that have done it, but there's no band that's perfected it. Well, also, too, it's, it's, it's the transitions... Into going into completely different tempos, like perfect example, lockdown, where it's just like 
classic New York hardcore, like fast track, right? And then you're just riding it on the fast beat and just go like that. Yeah, and also seamless. Yes, and the fast beat too is gnarly because it's kind of like that new school punk, like the fast parts they're holding on to like chords kind of for a long time. Like it's not super riffy on the fast parts. Yeah. And the guy's doing do that, 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 do that. Well, that's Will Shepler, which is yeah. just, he, ca- he which kills is a it. Fucking beast of a drummer. But like, he's not, already, he's not yeah. doing like how most people do do that, do that, do that, do that, let do that, let do that. He's doing do that, do that, do that, do that, do that. Yeah. And he was on just the, he was on the single kick game. Oh, yeah. The quickest, like insane, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, perfect record. Um, second one of the Hall of Fame, Hate Breed Satisfaction LP. Um, I feel like we talked about it a lot on the seven inch episode because I put in Under the Knife and then we talked about it. But I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like in my opinion, in the span I've been in a hardcore, like I remember hardcore before this LP. And this is like the legit game changer. There's like hardcore before this and after this. Um, kind of how you're talking about Terror now. And you're totally right because Terror has like the longevity of playing hardcore for so long in the the aughts, the noughties, and then the, the 2010s. But I really feel like before Hatebreed, hardcore, even the heavier bands, there wasn't like a breakdown in every song. Like hardcore is more about like a pylon and a sing-along. Like even like the heavier bands like Strife, it was like, you're building to these like pylon sing-alongs and after like strive for like a metal influence sick of it all in a way you yeah. know like but it's still like you're coming down like the the big the big moments in like the strife songs would be like something to believe in you know and it's like yeah or or i mean super 90s yeah or in a in a wonderful way in a great way and like you know or the the first song on the record i'm drawing a blank like the whole fucking song is a sing along, you know. It's slow and it's a sing along, but it's entertaining and I don't know. And then their fast songs, like they don't have the gnarly breakdowns until their second record on Blistered, they have a breakdown. But uh, Hatebreed is like every song is fast breakdown. They cut out like all the bullshit, kind of how you're talking about with like um, set it off. Like there's no solos, and it's like complete influence of like. Is is death metal mixed with like uh, either like I don't know well, like a like a grind Corey? Okay, or so a... so I, I was listening to um, Sepultura Chaos AD right, mm-hmm. and there's that track Nomad, mm-hmm. and like after like the intro, like the verse, like mm-hmm. the riff is this, and we're gonna we're gonna mouth riff it again, man. <laughs> it's like a like that kind of style rhythm. Yes. And I think that record, like Chaos AD, Sepultura era, I feel like these dudes were definitely listening. Well, they were listening to a lot of death metal. Also they were the, listening well, to a lot of like also the, that early 90s metal shit. The first song on the first Suffocation LP has like two of those mosh parts. Yeah. It's like, dun, 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 you know. And he, and he got that because you have those like, rhythms right of the wrist but then like the beat is just like yes the rip like the beat is more of a stomp but then another genius way is how much mileage he gets out of the same riff 
which if you listen to like when you listen to a satisfaction, it's like you can play like the fast riff. It'll be like fast beat behind it, but then mm-hmm. you can put like you can slow it down. So like burn the lies is yeah. like same fast beat like. Yes. So it's like you're getting mileage out of just one riff but by you're switching allowed, three beats behind it. Yes, but you're allowed to do that when your songs are 90 seconds. Exactly. And that's like the formula that Hapri put down with this record that no one ever touched again, including Hapreed. Like, well, no one ever touched this record again. The closest thing would be the first terror record. Did people trip out in a way when they when they first heard it since you guys would have been hearing it for the first time was it almost like comical did you be like is there a band seriously writing like like they just they just want that pure to the source i don't think that we understood like music enough it was a slow burn because they toured so much on it that it got bigger and bigger as each year they came around and it got it increased that but the one thing that we've not mentioned in the kind of formation of this musically they were also obviously into their peers earth crisis listening to Earth Crisis and also listening to Madball, you know, and, like, bringing those influences into it as well. Like, the breakdowns that Earth Crisis would also have, but on a on a kind of a slower thing, they would it's just hit not it a, a little it's bit not a, It's not a breakdown to me if it doesn't follow a fast beat. It's just, like, a tempo change. Yeah. You know, and that was but, what so so many when of the... You, when, you, when you were there, like, live, it even if it is the crowd chose... This is the breakdown. No, I understand. Do you know what I mean? No, like, I understand. It's still a mosh part. It's just like, yeah. no, I don't know. If, if you want to mince words, I would say it's still a mosh part, but not a breakdown. <laughs> there's a breakdown, you're breaking it down. There's like, a fine yeah. line. Yeah, I, I get that. But you know, what, well, we, yeah, what yeah. we loosely call breakdowns anyway sure. is just when people go fucking ape shit. No, yeah. I would say it's the part after a fast part. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about like writing music and so the but, answer... But you can definitely hear the influences of their peers in, in the formation of this record, especially post Under the Knife into this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. That it's like, it pulls in influences of the time, but it's untouchable. And to answer your question, like, were, were you like, I can't believe someone's doing this. Like, well, it was like inconceivable to be able to write anything like this. Like, it's like, I don't know, because when you listen to it, you're like, this is so simple and so good. How could I not come up with this? But it's like, no one ever touched it again. But There's all- never been a record that sounded like this ever again. It's like, and I'm, dude, if if set it off, like, if that's my, if I think that's the best Argo writer, like, Hebrew Satisfaction is like top five, top ten for me, for sure. Well, like, to, to go back to Greg's question, it's also the thing that happened is the people that really fucked with this the hardest were like the people that are going to do bring trouble to shows. Do you know what I mean? So it was kind of like it's, it's you trouble. almost have a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth it's for it for a while. music for yeah. sure, you know. It allows somebody who wants to fucking be her, a dick at a show, her, oh, be absolutely. a dick at a show. Well, but after this record came out, there wasn't that much opportunity for us to see them either. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, like, when this came out in Southern California, they played, I think, the Showcase Theater one time. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Because when they played the barn, that was when Slugfest came out with them. And that was before this LP. That was just off the seven inch. That would have been when they played the garage in Chula Vista, yeah. I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing with this is like you can tell 
they came and played the showcase and then Throwdown starts, you know? Like, and Throwdown is directly, like, worshipping Hatebreed. I know. Like, more, songs, more than anything. But they're like, yeah, it's like full Hatebreed influence. Like, when you listen to, like, the first Throwdown record, it's like, they almost sound like a band that has a single influence. Yeah. Like, it's well, like, and, they're and Hatebreed. The, but, but, again, a, a but, band that takes a stab at it and misses the whole point of what makes Hatebreed so good, which is that they're in, out, and done. You know, like they come in, they punish you fast, they hit it with like a harder breakdown than anyone can write, and they're out. Yeah, but early throwdown, like demo and seven inch, they were borderline joke band because they were like, yo, this band just came through and played the hardest breakdowns ever. Let's do a band that's only breakdowns. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let's celebrate that. Let's ride the China and just. And then. It was crazy. You would go see Throwdown at the, cha- uh, at the showcase, and everyone would do this yeah. for the China. China. Yeah. But when you looked out at the crowd, yeah, it looks it was like a little everyone's sketchy. fucking Zeke Heiling, yeah. and, and you're like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> to chime in what you what you said earlier about like this was the record that would bring out a certain type of person to to be like uh to, you know to, to be that <laughs> to be that guy right yeah but i think it's funny because i think when they wrote this like that's that's definitely like not their intent because it's just regionally this is how they just yeah, do, it's their scene you watch, watch scene. those old videos of them in and connecticut I, I think it's, it's fucking yeah and i think it's like sketchy. really interesting because you have bands that just like naturally organically develop in their scenes where it's just mm. like Hey, for some reason, this certain scene and this demographic, like, this is just how we mosh and this is how we do shit, right? So then them fucking making, like, the best formula out of it and just becoming this, like, phenom where you just hit it and then you're exposing, like... Like, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, people just didn't, like, know what to do with it. And then, then you have, like, all these, like, people not getting it and just going, like oh no, like this is exactly how I get to live my dream of just showing up because now I have a purpose to sock people in the face because they're playing, they're going to play the sock, the person in the face riff in every song now. And they're going to call it out with a mosh call. Exactly. Like (laughs) fucking destroy this person. So for them being in Connecticut, it's like, oh yeah, this is what we do. Like this is just how our scene is. Like people just hit each other, like not, but then, if you watch those videos, like, dude, the pylons are intense. running up on stage yeah. with a mad ball to, like, attack him yeah. and stuff. It's hey, like, fuck. Hey, per- but there is, like, like Greg was going to say, is, like, there's also 40 dudes on stage singing along to every word. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, like, one of those, like, everyone knows each other kind of things. Yeah. So that's why everyone is going so hard. So that's why they're making the music for that. So then when they take it out on the road and uh, start exposing, like, people that don't mosh like that or just maybe that's not what your scene does or maybe that's not like how your band sound like it gives the excuse for all these like dickheads to like finally like do it and i mean look i just saw k9 play at the shake cafe and i just still think it's funny when like when you get all like a real like band from that area that does that sound that's not a gimmick and when it just rolls into like something like the Shea Cafe and like you just still see like 
yeah, San Diego ain't like hard for, hard enough for this shit, you know. And I still feel like California, like California, can be that like can be hard, but not that type of hard. Yeah, because when we talk about regionalism, we're not walking through fucking snow, snow exactly. and sleet to like go into a show in like six layers and try and find somewhere to set our coat down that doesn't get like fucked with. And, you know, it's just it regional. But we're also able to fucking go hang out at the Che and, like, all talk and have fun, like, into the night and just hang out because it's so chill here. Like, your environment is going to breed your DNA. Exactly. You know? That's why I still, to this day, when I'm, like, in just Southern California hardcore shit and just see, like, dudes trying to be like that blueprint of like East coast, like everyone's getting socked in the face type of shit. Like it just never, you're never going to be that. Yeah. You'll yeah, never sound like that. You'll never be like that. Cause like, I'm sorry. Like you live in Southern California and it's usually 70 degrees. So like, no matter how hard you try to be that, you will never be that. Yeah. Yeah. And you shouldn't be and, that. And enjoy what you are. Like live what you are, you know? Um, okay, so that's the I, Hall of Fame. I've taught you. Okay, yo, my only, my only fucking complaint on this record is I think the cover art and the back cover oh, yeah, are trash. Fucking super dated. Like, because I'll look at the layout thing, and I was like, man, this shit was made on like Photoshop mm. one, and dude. Their, and, their, <laughs> and their merch was like that for like oh, yeah. three years dude, too. Like, like, like you look in the back of it, and it's like a live shot. But it's fucking like cursive lettering on the song and, and, and squished, squished photos. So you, you like, have to like just... squint your fucking eyes and be like, "What? What? Burn the light." Okay. Set it off. It is not. No, set it off. That's what I'm saying. Like that's my only, my only gripe with satisfaction is just like I do love artwork. baby blue and red though. It the does. color combo is nice. Well, Manchester City, of course, is why you love baby blue. Damn. Well, yeah. Viva los cholos. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so when you look at that, th- that's my only complaint with it. it well, that makes it so nineties, though. So it's kind true. of it's kind of fucking ill. That strip, yeah. the strip is very nineties. The strip will we will visit the best record of the nineties that has a strip soon. Okay, so <laughs> we got to get back to Ignacio Front One Voice. Yeah, and I think the, one of the main reasons why I picked this is it's definitely like Madball is coming after this. And I think it's, like, the perfect uh, monument to, like, this agnostic front lineup of you got Craig, you got Will, Matt, Stigma, Roger. And, like, when you listen to this record, like, you just hear how, like, how fucking tight of a band they are. And I'm trying to think, like... This is the the era that they played in the night. I think in that video with Gorilla Biscuits and exactly yeah, for sure yeah. where they're all in like military gear almost. Yeah, like, it's the, you know. the coolest video ever. But yeah, like so the fact that Except they're for the GB part, yeah, as someone so that had never no, seen that, them, it's like oh man, like no that that's what I'm saying. Like AF set on oh, the yeah. NFX hardcore Sigma video. Cool too. It cool. is, but the AF one, like you just hear like Actually, how much. The best part is you want to know about New York hardcore. It's me and this guy. That's the best part of the <laughs> whole video. <laughs> the sick ass like Budweiser like gear they're all wearing. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's Jimmy, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. See, but you see how much of, like, a fucking force that they are. I mean, you watch any, like, old video, too, and it's like, I don't know if there was a hardcore band in that time period that was, like, that tight put together. And then even when you watch their sets, like, it's song after song after song, but they're doing transitions. So it's like each song will go into the other one, mm-hmm. which I'll hugely influential for me when I mm-hmm. do sets for TO. I'm like, okay, one, I think one of the coolest transitions ever is the victim in pain into um, public assistance thing. Yeah, which they still do. Which they still do. So Because it's that good. Because it, it's that good. So, yeah, the fact that there's such a force. And then, dude, let's look at the like subject matter of one voice where like Roger gets caught in a Rico case. Well, and then it's literally like a theme record. Yeah. The whole thing is about and he, he, Jim Joe. he writes it in there and it's that record is not on this. Like I'm a hard ass dude. I'm glorifying this. It's just like, no, this is what's going to happen to you. And this is like the justice system. And this is how they're going to fuck you in there. So yeah, I, I don't, the production, it like like I said, like it would have been sick if it got like the set it off style touch, but I think it like was the the sacrificial lamb to get. I don't that like kind of that 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 perfect mix. Do you feel like the production suffers? I think it's just it's it's it, to compare something against set it off is is rude. No, I know, but but, but just but, on its no, own. No, but think of it this way: like if you hear. Other Normandy sound things like okay, perfect uh, killing times bright side, mm-hmm. judge bringing it down, for like obvious examples. I mean shit, even uh, you know, a very polarizing record, the, the Alpha and Omega Chromax record, which are all done at Normandy sound. And you think that this sounds like a step below it, recording wise? Yeah, I just don't think the mix is right. Like, there's just something that it can be like a little. A little, Especially when you see them on that video and how yeah. they sound, you think maybe it could. It's just, I don't know, man. I don't. Lit. I've never. I usually like. I dig into that in records. Like, is this I'm, on your list? I'm drawn. Wrong? No, but this is a very close honorable mention. It's it's a it's just like a little a little muddy, and it's funny because Matt Henderson was not like did not like how the production came out mm-hmm. on it too. Uh, that's my only complaint with that with that record. To well, me, it's it's also it's got when we talk about bands having '90s as fuck first use of computer to do the layout. Oh yeah, this is just, way up there for that. Yeah, it's uh, just like blown out <laughs> picture. Blown, it looks like it could be on Tang in 2017. Fuck yeah, <laughs> to to fucking talk about a stylistic choice, dude. This- like I, I think like now like like I want to say like the Tang style is like deliberate now like 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 they're doing this like no we're gonna make it look like the worst the worst thing can. like on some like really cool hipster shit but yeah. like no it's just like Curtis yeah it's fucking they, they get a like, clip art picture from the thing it's it got out. it's like twenty two megabytes and then they squish it and expand oh, it like, and oh yeah just be like and, looks great but the they don't they don't know about the one little. Box, you got to check the lock aspect ratio. <laughs> so everything's just been stretched out of whack yeah. in every direction. You're trying to put it back together. They like take a photo or they find a photo of a record, like right. someone's selling on eBay, and then they pull that <laughs> yeah. in and stretch. What? <laughs> but to be fair, like, I don't, I don't ever want like an OI record to look good. 
you know, like I don't want it to look cool. Like I want it to look like a fucking yeah. like like a skinhead. Like put it together, but instead of like touching the keys with keyboard, like he, he just had boots. No, he had like boots on his hands, and he was just like <laughs> fucking. Like I just like I wanted to look dumb. No, it should look like something that Rick the Life would sell. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, this record looks like that. Yeah. You know, but um, this album they bring in the bounce, which is gonna happen with Madball and. And Madball is like I think a total cross section of this record and the Killing Time. Let, let's talk about though how Roger's voice is a bit different around this time than yeah. it was. Well, another Rick to Life well, stitchback, right? Well, I would say Rick to Life to like worships his vocal Roger's vocals on this and bases his style on this. That's where I was going. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I love Roger's vocals on this. Well, yeah. every record, the voice. Just changes Goes slightly. a little more like that. Yeah, and then, so for one voice, I think it's, like, the perfect, like, you get that real, like, kind of still wild, like, wow, but you still get that, he's got like, that like beef. That chirpy. Yeah, but you still got, like, the beefy, like, low end to it, mm-hmm. so. But I think this, like, part to it is in, in comment to how bouncy this AF sounds. Like, it's more of, like, a, Almost, almost like hip hop influenced. If if you can possibly say it, even though it sounds well, now you're equal, to ninety two. You're to like the best years of hip hop. Yeah, equally thrash influenced at yeah. the same time. It's kind of like a weird, kind of like if you ran Anthrax through a hardcore. Like I, I don't know. It's just so no. It's, he's trying not to. It's that era of just everything that was going on, where yeah. it's like. The, the thrash shit was starting to fade out and it was getting more like groove sounding and then I mean shit Anthrax was doing shit with Public Enemy so this is the first Hazard with Onyx yeah, yeah. So this is the first AF I ever heard though whoa so then to go back and go oh I like this other stuff better <laughs> cause and then 25 to Life came out I'm like oh my god he's doing the not so good Roger vocals like to me, which well, I've appreciated. He's spinal tapping it. He's yeah, turned yeah. up to 11. For sure. But it's appreciate, this is appreciated with me with time. Yeah. But at the time, after being introduced to this and then going back and hearing Fix Him in Pain, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> like, what happened? <laughs> you know, in a, in a way. <laughs> also on that, on that video, that was my own, like, they looked so sick, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yo, like, I loved it, but it, then his vocals, I was just like, weird. A, first of all, one voice era AF, like, like they look like like they're going to beat up your favorite band. Like, like legitimately no, look they, like... they look like they yeah. dropped out of the fucking helicopter in Predator. <laughs> like, they parachuted into your scene to fucking ruin, to beat up your favorite band and you. Hell yeah. No, and, and then also on the end effect thing, the best shit, and I'll try to mimic it on the mic right now, <laughs> is when, when he's doing, uh, when he's just like doing 50 minutes, so it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, and that is, if we look at squeezing so many syllables, so it's just like, <laughs> but also just recently to talk about like modern hardcore bands and the influence of things that we're talking about right now. Recently, hardcore bands, the singers are just like, no, I'm leaving the mic on the mic stand. Do you know what I mean? Which is so counterintuitive for sing-alongs and everything. And it's a weird, like, nod to this. 
kind of thing. Like, My not, not necessarily just AF, but I mean, this kind of ni- 90s thing where, like, singers would kind of, I don't know, groove with the mics then, and then, like, for, like, post... 97 and on it was like no the mic is for mic time you know and now it's like nah we got this we don't need you it is a is a is a kind of vibe that's showing up now a lot more right um no no there isn't it no (laughs) no there there is definitely some some mic stand sounding bands for sure and i i've definitely seen the the mic stand style bands i i think it's a good good blend right now you know yeah no but i, I I'm, I'm just saying it, it it's a trend yeah it's it's, it's a, a trend start, yeah. that's developed and that's through people going back and looking at i think fans playing what the trend how hard it is to eat a tortilla chip this slowly so hopefully it doesn't show up <laughs> the, tr- the trend i want is what af did in that period is like hey let's play our already fast songs faster so then the vocals are literally <laughs> That's the coolest shit. I thought the trend you want is everyone to rock Billy Bio Madonna mics going forward. Hey, I mean... I just want the lead into Blind Justice to go three times. I don't like that they fix it and it only goes twice. Oh, yeah. this is That's some real, like... Next time they play, you gotta call it out. Yo, before you play this, like, just do a big grandstand of, I like... I want it in three fourths. It's gotta yell, one more time! <laughs> no, like the record... Okay, you guys have each done one. Well, Daniel did two and cheated. Um, I can't believe neither of those Sick of All records were on your lists. Also, shame. Um, my next one is Madball demonstrating my style. And I only left it off because I have other records on there, but I fucking fuck with this record hard. <laughs> I love it. I will say that this is the most underrated positive hardcore record yeah, ever. F- Dude, I was just... my The thing I was going to say is that this one is very positive compared to Set It Off. Yes. Like, it has that, like, like nah, you can, you can do it. Like, you can fucking do it. Well, and, and this record... On the strength of pride alone, yeah, could could be you know Hall of Fame. It seriously. has a, it has a standout hit song, but just the overall positivity of the album is amazing. Uh, just saying things like we can all relate in our own way. I've seen it before, and I know we can. Well, like, and, and this is through touring. This is good, positive shit. Yeah, but yeah, it's but, but I'm saying like the, these these viewpoints come through like touring all over and. You know, off of setting it off and and just going to all these towns and making friends for life type thing. You know, now is the time for you and a day. Yeah, yeah, a whole song about yeah, that's great. But I choose to keep my sanity. Won't let the bad times bring me oh, down. Streets Gotta of think hate. of all the good times. Streets good things of hate and all the good is a fucking me. top Madball track. How definitely in my top five of Madball songs, dude. A one note. Do you feel into a two note <laughs> no breakdown? Or do you feel course? there are any uh, parts where the record lulls a little bit? If I did, I wouldn't say. No, I don't. 
No. The record, it, it moves right along. Um, because Right? Where does it fall off? It doesn't fall off. No, I'm not, not saying it does. I'm just saying the reason that when I listen, when I put that on, like, record-wise, you know, mm-hmm. side A, side B, it it just doesn't, like, I know every song off Set It Off, like, yeah. off the top of my head. I don't know every song off this record off the top of my head. Yeah. But side B is still Nuestra Familia. It's True to the Game, Ball of Destruction, and Your Fall. So, Yo, and, dude, Ball of Destruction, fuck. Yes, sir. Anyway, this album's great. Sonically, um, it's still big and huge yeah. sounding. Freddie's voice gets even better. Again, like we said, like you came with the, the anger of Set It Off. Now, like, it's a different stab, but still staying, like, street. Catchier. You know, catchier. It's just catchier it's, vocally. It's and getting it's more getting designed sing along. Yeah, it's just. I I seem to be drawn to albums that I think can never be like recreated, and set it off is is that one, right? Like just how I was saying, like the the mix of having an album produced that well with having that much like wildness in it is like something that isn't going to happen. Where this record is a little more. Uh, straightforward, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think demonstrating my style too. You can tell that like now they've toured, now they've hit the road. They've been in Europe. They have more experience now, so you could say that demonstrating my style is the more mature. You know, but but the thing that I go back to is like when I put this because I've I've mainly listened to this record my whole life on vinyl. Yeah, and side a like i i'll i i'll usually stand up to put it back to the start of side a then flip it to listen to the other side of the record and that's the only reason that it's not on my list i suppose just on a personal level like i the side a is so front loaded and so stacked with just quality just the fact that ball destruction is on set well it's it's the first song on on side B is Nuestra Familia, which was like one of their their classics too. Yeah, I, I I'm just saying on a personal level, like I I love side A and also the um, the cover art and stuff is like now you take it for granted, but it's kind of like <laughs> a little hokey. The the back picture of them all playing, the playing cards. cards and stuff you know no it's still not hokey it's, it's ill it's 1996 madball it's yeah. so rad yeah I, I mean if not them then who yeah you know and like <laughs> but like, I don't are, know if I need it what are the options personally. of band photos you know like oh well, let's just stand around again they're just trying to but take it, a stab at something different it looks fucking cool when they stand around it looks <laughs> cool when they know. play cards too yeah I think <laughs> I think that I think that was just like that. hey if you didn't get the fact that we were from New York like yeah. yo we're playing cards like <laughs> we got cigars <laughs> it was a horrible New York accent <laughs> it was better than mine alright um, so that one was on yours as well Greg yeah right? so I got two of them off mine okay Daniel your turn all right, should I wait to talk about the best record of the 90s or should I bring it up now? Bring it up now because we, be we got energy and we can definitely fucking rip into you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not going to on this one because it is unequivocally the best hardcore record of the 90s. Life, Love, Regret, Unbroken. <laughs> Unbroken. 
it as well and I'll talk first since are you surprised I had it no because because it's that good I'm not it's that good it's like of me liking like of the time things it's like a perennial 90s hardcore record and it's like one of those things where when the first notes come in I just feel like my hands have to go in the air it's like you know and then they only come down because you're hitting the drum, the drum fill, you know? The piccolo. Yes. <laughs> well, no, that's the toms. So oh, no, no. I thought, I, I yeah. thought you were referencing like Final when the, it goes fast. The very first song. Yeah. And I love it. The whole way through the record. The way, I love it. The way the bass sounds. The, the two guitars that are so complementary but at odds with each other, you know, you can tell whose riff is what. And yeah. And then, not to mention, the actual true... I mean, maybe because the legacy goes into a very emotional manner as well because of Eric and and if you know the band and you know a lot more about the people and you know that each person contributed lyrics, it wasn't just the singer, you know? So um, you can see what they're at. Not to mention add-on... The artwork, not not including the front cover, just the artwork that each band member got to curate their own page in the artwork, that kind of gives you a snapshot of where each individual that comes together to make this band up, where they're coming from, what they're bringing to the table, as a as a product to quote them, <laughs> but as a as a like a art piece at the end of it, it shows like. They all gave fucking everything to make this. No, record. you you can tell that it's it's a band where everyone put in. It's not like okay, because you can tell when okay, you got one guy that writes everything, and then you have your lyricist that does everything. No, it's like with with this record, you can tell it's like a mix. Everyone has say. Yeah, and and you can tell almost stylized what who brought which song to the table. You know, like. For someone who has lost someone close to themselves, like through a debilitating disease, like end of a lifetime, like the lyrics to that song, and like, dude, the fast beat in there when it goes, yeah, like that's with the one guitar that just rides above it, like, well, like, it's like fuck. full. Is is this 92? 94. 94. Okay, that's like a full black metal part, like right when black metal's like going. Yeah, you know when like the best black metal stuff is happening, like the also like this shows the difference between what we were talking about completely when we're talking about a New York breakdown that's like transitioning from a from a pace to like a groove based thing. The unbroken one, like like the drums just start to slow and it's like almost like a runaway train being like kind of pulled back and like and then it goes into it's just fucking like right now I'm like goose bumping up I, and I've listened to this record I dare say maybe more than any other hardcore record I've ever listened to because I, I can put this on always and you know I know every little crevice of it I know like you know just everything about it 
and it just um I don't know, it's visceral for me. Like Yeah, and Greg talked about it before when when we were talking about the seven inches, you mentioned the song Razor. Yeah, I was just gonna say Razor is definitely the, my favorite. That track. first riff is like an insane stand. Slayer. It's just yeah. Slayer worship, you know? And, but I feel like but, I'm getting cut when it when the riff yeah. kicks in too. It, I mean it it yeah, exactly. Like you associate that music with what the song is trying to say. Exactly. Like yeah. the kiss of steel part, like it it's dark. It's really dark. The chug verse on blanket. Yeah. It's like the albums were and the it's setup, ridiculous. The setup being an off kilter straight edge song. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, there's all these overtly straight edge bands that around that time turn in a lot of people that were you know, not straight edge, making them feel alienated in the scene. Unbroken writes this straight edge song that's very political and about like you're consuming all of this, you know, like and just taking it in a different viewpoint and making you, you know, they're they're called Unbroken. It's fucking straight no, it's edge. It's one of the fuck. greatest band names ever. Yeah, but at this point. They could give, I mean, they were straight edge, but they could really give a shit because they were kind of dealing with, you know, way more adult tones, you know, on this record of the way all five of them were dealing with things going on in life. And um, I just think about it being recorded at double time and just think about that shitty little strip mall parking lot and then this thing came out of there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there was a rumor I remember hearing like 20 years ago because one of the knocks that you hear people uh, do about this record is that it's not a tight record. It's a little sloppy. And uh, one of the rumors I heard was like they agreed that they wouldn't ever do more than two takes on any song. Do you know if that's real or not? No, I, I, I don't know about You've that. You've never even heard that rumor? No, because I, I mean, Steve is... You ever hear that? I've never heard it. Oh, yeah. Steve is very... Wants things to be right, I would assume. You know, like, that he would be... I suppose a bit more of the... It's, task, it's, the musical taskmaster. What event. is it's, Rob's facial expression right now while listening to this I, I don't... I think that, like... By me saying it's not a tight record is not probably a knock. No, it's not... It's That's not a knock. A ritual's a tighter record. Um... But this is a better record. And the looseness of it... Allows it, all the emotion to pour in. Yeah, I mean, exactly what I was talking about with like that, how they just break into like that black metal fast part for a minute. Like, that lends itself... It, it, can, it can exist because it's like this looser, free-flowing, dark metal hardcore record. Yeah, well, yeah. If, you, if you think about what they were listening to, you know the Rev stuff, blah, 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 and then Integrity came on the scene, and it blew their collective minds, and then from there, once you get into Integrity, and I'm sure they were already into metal bands on the side anyway, but then they start, like, listening to Morbid Angel and things like that, and you know, and Slayer, obviously is a huge influence, like, Slayer is forefront of the influence alongside Integrity, you know, with this record, so but then it's a product of the time because how, you know, how is someone going to write 
in their liner notes like i'm just waiting for my girlfriend to get off of school like so i can do that i don't know what the fuck i'm doing with my life my parents are on my back about it like just bearing your soul like and who cares who reads it you know i think i don't know yeah, I, I don't I think really you would want it. this thing to sound like super gritted tight like no like it would it, lose yeah. everything it would lose every like if this had to sonically sound like set of, set it off it would it would lose all its soul where like madball it's like you you're getting that like nicer more polished recording it's making it sound like more hard and this if you did that it would like suck oh, the yeah. looseness and yeah. the soul out of it it, so. it would sound boring yeah well who knows but but yeah no if, how it, about, was, uh, if it was produced like phenomenally it would Talking it, about how it looks, it wouldn't be punk. Yeah, I was gonna say the cover <laughs> and it's too, punk. Just... The third press is the best, right? With the the baby blue, the baby blue on the cover. That's the best well, looking one. It looks great. Yeah, it, it looks it looks really good. Because Rob's like a huge City fan, so you know he made sure it was baby blue. Is that why? Oh no, he... that's a big rile up. Oh. Um, <laughs> but you know it's. It says it all in that, you know, those those pictures that were used for it, like Life, Love, Regret. Who's Who was thinking about that at that time, you know? Obviously, following on from integrity, depression-based hardcore, you know, like the influences there, but also there was lots of other bands, like, being very open and honest emotionally, like the real emo going on. Well, they on. were into the Smiths, too. Yes. Right? So, poetically... They're not scared to go there. Definitely not. Like, I mean... Well, it's, it's just being right in the middle of, like, you're, like, Integ dude, and you're, like, emo dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a crazy record that, again, yeah. like, it's in my top five because it cannot be replicated. It's like watching just... an integrity show with a handful of daffodils. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what this record is. <laughs> Which is fucking accurate as fuck. <laughs> okay. Um, do you want to go, Greg? Or actually, I got... How many did I put out? I only got one out. And you guys each got two? Yep. Okay, so I'll go. Um, I am going Ignite Call on My Brothers. And this is like my honorable mention, my sixth record. Okay. The um, only reason it's not in the top five is because I don't find myself putting it on anymore. I still put it on. I listen to everything. Um, this record was just really important to me personally because it was like a lot of my hardcore entry. Yeah. From like being into a lot of like the the fat records epitaph stuff this is like the ultimate crossover band they still have like they played with all those bands well as well sure like I saw them with Mill and Colin and stuff and I guess yeah. that just like 
that pounds into you that you made the right choice and Ignite is that much better than Melancholin. Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, so like they have enough of the melody and the speed to like... And if they've you like jumps. One, yeah, if you like one, you can like the other, but then like the subject matter is so serious. Like, I don't know, like even when I was like 16 listening to like Lagwagon, you'd, it's just like I can't get down with a lyric like, look at my cat, why can't I live like that? All animals do nothing but eat and shit. You know what I mean? Unless it's like, dude, I want some seriousness. You need like, something more. Yeah, you want something to like grab onto and sink your teeth into. And like people, like, I don't know. Everyone, when they're they're young and they're angry and they're a teenager, they want something to like believe in. And you want, like, I don't, even to this day, like sometimes I don't care about what people believe in. I just want someone to take it seriously. And I, I feel like as someone that I don't consider myself an Earth Crisis fan necessarily, maybe I've I've talked about them too much on this podcast. I don't think about, so. About how, well, no, I mean, just about how much I like and respect them because yeah. they <clears throat> chose something, they believed in it, and they stuck with it, and it's like all the shit they ever took, they were fucking right. You know what I mean? Like, you can knock them for whatever you want and think it's funny to, like, throw a yogurt at them, but, like, they were fucking righteous the whole time, right? And so, you know, Ignite, obviously... Um, when you bring that up, like people talk about them personally and, and say how sincere or insincere they were. But that doesn't matter to me as someone that's like listening to the record and, and reading the lyrics and, and just wanting something to like grab onto that's very serious. And then also sonically, it has like... It's polished. It's, it's, it's polished, but it's also like the perfect 90s mix of like... It's UC 2.0... But put through like that nineties, that nineties dark blender of yeah. like the the outspoken, the unbroken, the new it's age. Like, yeah, the it's new gone age. through a new age filter. Sure, yeah, yeah. So if you want to say it's UC two point put through like a nineties new age filter. Yeah, that's probably exactly the way to put it. And and it's just fucking insane. Like if you put on like because it's got that emotional core at it. It's got like when they when there's like a it's, it's really hard to explain this, but like when seeing them around that time and you're up front singing along and he like, he's like putting his hand behind your neck and like giving you the mic. It's like this means so, you know, it's that emotional vein that runs through it that's being expressed. The, and the, the Call of My Brothers, like just the song, you know, itself, like it is basically saying, you know, this means so much more because it's, these dudes coming back to the table after being gone, maybe not Zoli, but the other guys coming back to the table after being wherever for a few years and realizing like my life was probably missing something without this. Well, the lyrics of Asher turn are like some of the greatest, like I love, like I love hardcore, hardcore scene lyrics ever. Yeah. And I know they're not, they're not, they weren't written by Zoli. I think that was a, that was a, uh, who was the first singer? The Sloth Crew, uh, the other oh, not not name? even the guy that sang on where they talk the the guy that sang for uh, Joe Foster's other band when he oh Jesus Joe Nelson from the Sloth Crew guy the, he, he's, he's Joe still, Nelson yeah yeah, yeah. He, and he he sang a, a Killing Flame so when yeah, yeah. when uh, Joe Foster left a night he did Killing Flame and had him come back yeah and sing. Um, it's always obviously a, a much better singer. 
But lyrically, I mean, that shit was crazy. Um, so, yeah, that's my choice. I love it. Yeah, well. I love the whole record. Artwork-wise, polished. Amazing for something that, like. When polished. You, and when you but look at it, not it's in like, a way that like if we if we were talking like Unbroken would be ruined by polish. Mm-hmm. This is made by it because you can hear everything so clear. It's got punch like a but it's not Greg it's, says attack. But like it's, it's not got that. It's not as polished as like set it off. It's still like somewhere in between there. Like it's but set it off sounds a little bit muddy at times. No, set it off sounds like. The ultimate studio record. Like, everything is triggered and big. Anyway. The Call My Brothers. That, I choose it. Yeah. It's, I, fine. it's It's a fantastic record. Yeah, I love it. Um, and it sounds the best on but, clear, clear vinyl on conversion <laughs> records. But the, the which thing, I still have. The thing that you were saying, like, <laughs> the sincere, insincere yeah. thing, is like, that only comes when, when people want to live off of doing the band so you, they have to make choices that don't set in line with the general like you know the core of the hardcore scene you know you kind of look at things you're like oh you've got a guitar deal with this person you got you change into your vans before going on stage because you're sponsored by that you know so there are those things where you look at it and you're like ugh but as you get a bit older, you're like, well, you know, I must have been cool to be able to live off being in a band. I look at those things as amazing. Yeah. Guitars but, are but, fucking expensive. That doesn't, but, but when none of that do, stuff bothers free me at shoes? all. Nah, I fuck with you. And, and, and I don't, and I don't mean it's like, yeah, I know what there, you mean. I know there's what a level of, of where it's like, are you just, you know. Dude, if you're scooping Pelican shit every weekend, you're going to need new shoes. <laughs> so these are trade offs. Um, okay, go ahead. Shout out to the Sea Shepherds. That's all right. <laughs> all right, Greg. Um, so this might, again, some people will be like, it's not a hardcore record. or oh, Is there a hot take one? I don't think it's a hot take at all. Uh, I definitely could see some some older California people being like, like that's not a hardcore band. But I'm... And some, I don't know, I mean, in the classic definition of the of the term hardcore, maybe they don't fall under that, but I don't know. I don't think you could ever take them out of hardcore because they all come from it. It is Marauder's Master Killer. And that's going to be my number third pick. I don't think anyone would say that it's not hardcore, right? Well, it's definitely, I mean, like, first of all, you want to talk about production values. I mean, this is... This rival set it off. This thing sounds huge and still not in that, like, completely overproduced sound. No, it's like... Like, it's it's just, it's just huge. Just, that's how you want it. Like, you, you just want everything to be, like, magnified. This record and the 25 to Life uh, Keeping It Real CD are like the two like most monotone, like awesome sounding records. Yeah. 
So I, I just I don't know how to describe it, but I would say it's very monotone and riffy, and I love it. No, I think it's a great great choice. So I think, and it's another. I mean, other than the fucking ridiculous cover art, uh, which I know I, who did the reissue. I think Re, uh, Reaper did a reissue of it with some like newer drawn artwork. It's kind There's of like been a, like a bunch of represses. Yeah, but but to get back to it, I think. Just like the history of the band, where you get like, it's just like Puerto Rican dudes from like the, the New York hardcore scene. So that's already slightly different than like your average hardcore band that's. Except for District 9. Except for District 9. But for them to, I mean, first of all, you have like the original singer. Have we talked about District 9 enough? We should circle yeah, back. We have a fucking podcast about District 9. I think we need to do the acapella payback one more time. <laughs> Just so someone can set it to music. Now, this time we're doing behind red tape. <laughs> oh. Uh, so, you have like the history, like prior history of the band. You have. Shit, sorry. Oh, shit. Man, sorry. ain't fucking. We ain't at the whistle stop yet, dude. <laughs> Anyway, um, so prior history of the band, you know, different singer, minus, it has a completely different vibe of it, just off the demo of it. And then, you know, they sign to Century Media, they get Jorge, and it's just, I mean, it's just a fucking juggernaut of a record. Definitely sounds like, you know, demo songs made it to the LP, and you could definitely tell that they had time to, like, work these songs live work them in like whatever club they were playing and get them like exactly where you need to be, especially guitar player sob like, and it's just that perfect blend of total tight metal playing, which I mean, it's just, it's got the production values of like, like a death metal record of the time. Yeah. And they actually, do. I think it has some kind of better production because you can hear everything. Because you can hear everything. Yeah. Where I don't think uh, some of the other death metal bands at the time doing the lower tunings, I don't think like the amps were just there yet to really get like the crunch, which this record has like tons of like just crunchy guitars and it just and, like and then so, but then you put the vocals on top of it and that's what complete doesn't make it like a death metal record at the time, right. you know. But Jorge still has like this interesting growl or it's not like your typical like hardcore mm. shouting and then it just i don't know i like i don't think there you don't skip a track on this fucking album at all to me it's like you play it all the way through i don't think there's a dud on it no and it's amazing because uh for you talking about how tight it is um they do like these very minor tempo changes when they like drop to different yeah. breakdowns they give it like that extra like Exactly. You know? No, because you and and it's like it's interesting yeah. because so you know that when they do that with all the like the minor tempo changes, that uh they're that tight and they're definitely not like playing to a click track, so it's like for the drummer to be like that tight and to play on a record that's this like monotone and produced and to not be like playing to a click track is pretty yeah. Wild. I forgot the name of the drummer on this thing, but I mean just the whole fucking lineup. I mean these dudes are just top players yeah. but then another thing that i love about it is like these weren't like like fucking like dorky metal nerd dudes either which i think you can totally hear that like how they're attacking the instrument how they're playing it mm -hmm. so it's definitely not like oh i get to like sit 
and, and practice all day. It's like, oh, like, I was practicing my guitar. I went to CB's. We got in, like, the biggest fight ever. We stabbed a dude. I came back. <laughs> and then I fucking practiced, like, Slayer. Like, and, you know, it always warms the heart when you have, like, a bunch of skinhead dudes that grow their hair out and just... Just it's just I don't know it's such like a New York creation too so that's that's it's definitely why it's on it's on my top five just for the fact that you just don't skip a track on it and oh, let's not do the influence of it now so maybe when it came out at the time I don't know if it made since you guys are from the era I don't know if it made a big impact as it did but holy shit like my generation and future generations now I mean like every band has like the marauder riff the marauder part you know I well mean, with you talking about the terror influence daniel i mean this is this is the this band be, yeah. and the record that Voga rode for exactly you know so so the huge so this if, is if, before my time though this yeah, is 94 no this came out from what i got because i'm a fucking poser it says 96 mm. so um i don't know yeah, but for for California, it was definitely a little more hardcore adjacent. I think exactly. Um, and I don't remember. I mean, the first time I saw them was like a couple yeah, years right. ago. Yeah, they never came through. And yeah, it's one of those things where the influence of this band was that the singer would fuck you up. It's what you heard more about than even about the music. You know, like it was True. like the the singer of this band is fucking gnarly. Like all the stories about him <laughs> more so got into the scene yeah. than, than the yo you need to check out the record and it, it makes <laughs> sense well also to the band kind of imploded as well with, with each other like there was always some sort of like struggle that's always a clear that's indication. a new york thing though no but that's always <laughs> to me like a, a great indication of like a great band is when it's just like there's so much like the band itself can't even stay together because it's just so much like heat and personality clashes, but like everyone is so fucking good that they're able to kind of just get it together just to like cut this like slap of wax. So, what does that say about your band being together for 15 years now? Greg? That we're not good. I mean, I, I <laughs> like we're, we're okay, but we're not like good because we, we like, like you have like two dudes working together right now. I've worked with our members like. If if we all, I mean, maybe, I mean, I've definitely, damn, this is getting all personal, <laughs> right now. No, uh, I'm just saying that it's actually a fucking. Ian, I think the Ian McKay quote, where he's just like, like great bands like fucking hate each other as like be, like when it's a thing, which is like fucking like oh like you kind of have this like, I wouldn't say hatred, but like. Is despise the word? Whatever you kind of probably talking about Van Halen. Or yeah, some you, shit. you kind of beef each other because there's it's just a clash. There's of like, too much creative energy. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that would be an argument. I think that's a dumb phrase and a terrible way to look at things, but that's cool. I think your band should be like a unit, and like you guys are you're riding for something together. Hopefully, a common cause. No, well, it's it, funny if that is an Ian quote because. He's got along with everyone. No, you I know, forgot the, the where, friends, where I saw know? it from, but he said it was talking about minor threat and like why it was so explosive. Is like a lot of them were, were like definitely would argue. Oh like, yeah, yeah, all they, the time. They all bring strong opinions, exactly, and they would bicker. And they were twenty. 
<laughs> you know, it's bakery. Not again, you know. I know. I think that was that's probably an overlooked piece of it, right? Like yeah. the age. Definitely. I mean, you also see the like, them practicing in another state of mind, and there's there's tension yeah. in the room while they're practicing. So, you know, well, they're practicing in a closet. Yeah. But, no, but but still, yeah, like, you can. Tell. I feel tense. Our room right now is pretty big, but I'm fucking hot. So go ahead and delete. I want to eat a chip at normal speed. Yeah. Go ahead and delete <laughs> all that drivel I said, and then just chime in when you came in about the minor threat. No, people love no. Greg. Yeah, yeah. A lot of so a lot of people are like, you got to get Greg here all the time. Mm-hmm. So to, they want to hear a little bit about your life, man. I Damn. like that you open it up like that. Sorry. So what's, what's, what's the uh, singer of? Would the singer take offense, fuck up the singer of Marauder? No, but what <laughs> happened, and this is, has happened, is that they They'll would just boys. smoke weed together <laughs> and get drunk, which that has occurred, like, <laughs> at least three times. And I'm not advocating violence. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a non-violent yeah. Uh, proponent. Yeah, we all are. Um, but yeah, people want to get to know you, dude. So, so what's your relationship like with your, uh, with your mother? Mm, I love my mom. Who doesn't? Who doesn't love their mom? What did you get her for Christmas last year? A tortilla chip. A tortilla chip. Trying to eat crunch. Oh fuck! I got her something good, but why can I not remember? Because it's on the spot. What's her birthday? It is uh, April third. Of. Huh. What year? Oh, the year I don't know the year. I'm a fucking terrible son. Who's next? Um. Okay, I'll go. Oh, you wanna? Who's up? I'll go. I'm going outspoken, a light in the dark. Definitely 90s. And you guys have this? Nah. Daniel? No, I don't have it, but they're a very influential uh, 90s band slash 90s California band, especially, you know? Yeah, with me talking about Asher Kern being like one of the good... I love hardcore songs about hardcore. I don't fucking care. I'm very unapologetic about it. And A Light in the Dark is like another one of those, like, just this is what I believe, this is what I'm sticking to, and like, that's me. And A Light in the Dark has the fucking best lyrics, straight up. And it's drivey, um, just like The Verbal Assault. This is probably my second favorite album to drive to. Also, um, the, the Smiths, There Is a Light, A Light in the Dark, like, that always drew me into that song in particular. Yeah. Uh, as well as, I know Hartsfield was a mega Smiths Mars fan, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure maybe the rest of the band were, but... Another, like, dark album cover. You know, like, the imagery matches, like, the sound. Um, Daydream, like, that is, like, very bouncy up-tempo, but it's, like, dark, and it's got those fucking weird whale noises. Like, and, like, that weird guitar part comes in over it. Like, they they do, like, the acoustic guitar comes in over, like, the mix. I'm just a dream man. One of the most brilliant songs ever. Um, the riff on uh, this that, human machine. Well, th- that's a an example of like the emotions. Of, you know, some people would kind of consider outspoken being like closer to 
youth crew-ish, like, dudes and whatnot, but the emotion of the time that is the vein that runs through everything and the sincerity and the... um, Because, like, look at the merch. Like, Straight Edge isn't cool anymore, so what? Like, they're in that post-youth crew thing where bands like, um, you know, other bands are saying, like, for example, you know, post-Fugazi too, like, don't fucking slam at shows and whatnot and it's just like no we want pylons we want everyone to just get everything out be emote you know emote to the max but also live like let's bring hardcore back in a way you know at the same time fusing those two worlds where it's like yeah i love this stuff but i also fucking still play gb and yot all day long on my record player yeah and then hardest not He's not shying away from like the metal tinge either. Like he's playing no. straight up Jackson heavy metal guitar. Yeah. So, um, the riff like on the the bridge catchy part of like this machine pushes on with like starting with like the drum rolls like this machine pushes on, and then switching to the hi hat, fucking next level. Um, I just love this record all the way through. It's so serious. It's so um, it's straightforward and drivey, and then it's just got that early '90s new tempo. age dark tinge, and yeah, there's no fast parts. It's all like, new age tempo. Yeah, it's, you know, it's straight up. It's no fast on like the integrity fast beat, but uh, they're not hanging on to like open notes. Everything is like riffed, and it's sick. I love it. Backups are screamed, not, not. <clears throat> You know, yeah. It, backups are like, ah. I love <laughs> you it. know. Um, Have you ever listened to this record? No. Oh, it's one that you. I think you will fall in love with. Um, it, in, in in my personal purview, outspoken and undertow are very much together in my mind because I had a tape that had this mm-hmm. record on one side and uh, undertow on the other side and. The, almost the bands are fused in my mind because they really have a lot of similarity mm-hmm. kind of going on. Um, but the, I mean, it, you just talk to like some older heads in OC and they can't say any band mattered more to them than this band. Yeah. Do you think that this is the best thing they put out or do you think the current is the best thing? I like this. Yeah, this is my absolute favorite. I think that they're an LP band. The current is a beautiful seven inch, I um, and to... I love I love the first one too. Yeah, I listen to this a lot more. I, yeah. I mean, I they're I love an LP that they, band. Yeah, and that they're standing for something blatantly. There, I mean, I go back to that T shirt. That T shirt is arguably one of the best pieces of merch of all time. Yeah, Straight Edge isn't cool anymore on the front, and then so what on the back? Like, yeah. You know, and he had great stage presence. Yeah. A, a very commanding stage presence. And when they came back for that unbroken uh, Eric tribute, like, mm-hmm. benefit show in San Bernardino, like, the fever of, like, those OC dudes that I knew were like, yeah, it's cool Unbroken's playing, but, we're you know, I'm here for Outspoken. Whereas San Diego was the opposite, you know? Yeah. That show was great. What do you remember about that show? Everything? I remember... I remember... How big was that place? I just remember, it's like a little tiny arena, right? Yeah, but it, everything was concrete. Like, yeah. 
Um, so what was that? Is that like an old? It was school, an old like... boxing oh. arena. They like they used held to do like boxing shows. Two thousand people. Twenty five hundred probably. Yeah. Um, but there was like twenty five hundred people on stage while on broken plate. Jesus, <laughs> not quite, but. Um, that show was wild. I was there. Yeah, my old band opened. Palpatine opened and yep. then a setup played in Crimson Curse. Yep. And that's the show. Outspoken and Unbroken. Yeah. Yeah. And then my friend did the video thing that the sound guy didn't record from the board. Oh, shit. So they had to use live sound, like with all this amazing like video production. <sighs> Such a bummer. Oh, okay. I was always wondering what was the sound, what the deal was with the sound. Was yeah, that. yeah, it's such a such a bummer. The sound guy's like, "Yeah, I got you," and then didn't record anything the whole night. <laughs> yeah, it's such a bummer. Okay, so that's four for me. Great. Oh, I've got a few left. Yeah, I can squeeze out number four right here. I'm gonna go uh, destroy the machines. The Earth Crisis. <laughs> I feel like we talked about this one a lot. On I have the, three left on the firestorm. We talked about firestorm. No, not not necessarily that we. Okay, just, so let's dig into it. You guys talk about it because the on, the only thing that we discussed is that Greg much preferred this to the seven inches of Earth Crisis. Yeah, because when I when I hear the the first seven inches, like I definitely hear the like the fury and like the energy and like all the anger. Like I hear all that, but I feel like with destroying the machines, like. I feel like it just gets like super focused. It's like really thought out. Uh, and then dude, the fucking plane on this record, I trip out on it. Like just really, really good musicianship, just writing songs, jumping from tempo to tempo, like lots of really interesting changeups. Like it's like a very like, like stimulating records, like engaging, like just on a musical standpoint, uh, where I feel like those early, I feel like those early seven inches, I think it was was way more uh, maybe just like lyrically driven or like message driven. Where I feel like on this one, it's just like no, you really hear like how good the fucking band is on on destroying a, them. A well toured oiled machine yeah, like, that are pushing each other to get their chops up. Exactly. So very just very interesting uh, how also, it starts they, I, off. They were pretty much becoming at this time the biggest band in the hardcore band, um, well also like there's such a flashpoint in hardcore that they had to be good right because they, yeah. they couldn't allow any sort of vulnerability because people were already like trying to poke at them for so many reasons well and it's it's, it's also, like you have to be that powerhouse band it's like you can try to like poke at me but look at us we shred yeah no they sound they definitely sound like that powerhouse man. The production, I th I think uh, the guitars are super scooped, so like they they kind of give it like the speakers that kind of thing when they when they do like the like the palm muting and the chugs. But uh, well, I, I think also it has one of my my top straight edge songs of all time, which is the discipline. I mean, seriously, to introduce what straight edge is to people that are watching 2020 or whatever and they hear that you're straight edge and you're at work with them and they're like oh isn't that crazy it's like 
no, it's this. And even more than playing straight edge, you're like, this lays it out. It's like, this is the political choice behind being straight edge. This is like, I'm not buying into the alcohol companies. I'm not going to kill myself with all of these things. And I'm not going to haze my mind because I'm going to watch what you're doing in this world to me politically and socially. It, it lays it all out like this is the key to self-liberation for real. Like, and, and that's that's why I like the record so much because like the message is there. Like he lays it all out. But I feel like also too you have the music to back it up where I feel like the first two things it's just mostly like the message and the lyrics being put out i think i think this record is where it went from being the ben reed era of earth crisis which was like energy dive bombs screaming blah, blah. this was like the you know other guitar player comes in i think it's chris weichman uh for this record comes in with scott kraus and they're like one up in each other. Um, and they're also, you know, obviously their peers are not showing them anything musically. Metal is showing them more advanced chops and things like that. So they're delving further into that and bringing it into hardcore all at the same time being the, the biggest band, the biggest known band currently in hardcore you know at yeah, the time. like you said that in order if they were going to be like a flash in the pan like to be that good to be able to to sound like that to be that tight to be able to just write these songs i said they were a flashpoint like oh, uh, i thought you said flashpoint no like it. all like all eyes were on them yeah so they couldn't afford to be sloppy yeah i'll watch i'll watch like a video of them playing in this era and then I'll watch other bands that are like maybe revered about the same. And like, dude, there is a fucking like solar system difference between Earth Crisis hitting the stage and like any of the other band of their peers at the time. Like, it's ridiculous. Well, they don't fuck with speed at all, which is is a little bit of a difference, right? Because when you True. yeah when you add speed into the equation you can definitely lose a little bit of tightness. But this yeah, is a band, this is a band played... that write a manifesto. Like, this is what we want to get across. This is the vehicle we're going to put it on that's going to smash you down with it. But you're going to hear everything. And we're not a joke. Like, we're talking about the Earth, fucking, you know, global warming, etc. in 1995. We are warning of all of this, the wrath of sanity, you know, like the new ethic, which is like, you have to go vegan to save the earth, you know? So compare this though to the next record, the Gamora season ends. This, you think that this one stands out like way above that or? Yeah, because I think Gamora seasons ends, they go up their own ass a bit. It's, I don't know. I feel like the riffs are a little catchier. I feel like the, the, well, whole, the, the song that goes, a little I am straight edge. But that was, one is so... Neanderthal yeah, like, great that it's amazing I, yeah, but, I get, I get what you're but the riffs on that are like catchy and good and dark and weird I like it yeah. it's it, I don't know that album grabs me more than this one I don't know I, not I, that I'm a fan yeah. I don't know I, I just think with with destroying the machines like like the first what's my what's can I do a rocky analogy here where it's like 
like the, anything like, you want, dude. Like, like the first two fights, like, are just like through through fucking sheer will and just like going for it. That mm-hmm. like the message, just being able to like punch through all the way, mm-hmm. and then like Apollo trains Rocky how to actually like fight. Yeah. And I feel like on destroying the machines, like that's what happens to the band. Like they get like they tore and like they really get it to where like they're just this like tight force at the time. Like they just and I, literally wrenched and I it all together. You we know? we talk about the the bands that bring a bit to each of the things. I bet you, and I I'm just guessing here, but I feel like Carl would say. I need, you know, I've got this to say and I want this kind of a pace. I want it to really ring out at this point because this is the message, you know, like the message is, is extremely important. Whereas the message is a byproduct with, um, lots of other hardcore bands. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But yeah, and and the artwork is really cool. Yeah. Um, and the merchandise around this time was fucking phenomenal. But do you think that Gamora's a fall-off? I fell off with them around that time. I mean, I still I, I still played that record into the ground. I mean, it's two years later, more. there's new stuff coming. Well, I was mining it for more, you know, like, oh, I want that same feeling the last one gave me, and it didn't quite. But, you know, the I Am Straight Edge part definitely got me going. <laughs> but... There's not as many good songs as on Destroy the Machines where there's not really a lull. Even though it's similar tempo throughout the whole thing, each song is a, a little bit different take from the the general manifesto of what Earth Crisis are talking about. And they're all really clever. And they at this time, Earth Crisis was arguably the biggest band because of the polarizing nature that they brought to shows. Mm-hmm. You know, like, some people especially pre-internet would hear a rumor i heard earth crisis did this and so i hate them you know much like cancel culture in in this in this world now where people are hearing things and saying oh that person's done and they haven't even checked in themselves you know a lot of the times obviously things are real and people do need to be exposed but in this case it was like half the scene was against this band on straight rumors but when they came through the town they were nice people and they fucking destroyed the machines and the stage (laughs) alright Daniel do your next one okay just rip the (laughs) bandaid should I rip the bandaid okay Fugazi in on the kill taker And the crowd goes mild. Um, I'm not going to blow up this time like last time. <laughs> yeah, I learned right. my lesson. Um, this record came out and I think 1993. And it is, it's got some of the hard, harder, faster Fugazi parts, but it... This fly is driving me crazy. Sorry, Earth Crisis. Um, yeah, mate, you should... Uh... Give the fly like an envelope of five dollars and it, tell it to leave because it's being too aggressive in here. 
Ian Mackay Shade. These pretzels are making me thirsty. In <laughs> um, on the Kill Taker is, I think, the pinnacle. A lot of people will, you know, like later Fugazi more. Some people like 13 Songs era Fugazi the most. But I think this is right when everything they were writing was perfect. Like the differences on the record from, you know, Facet Squared, like that intro that sounds like a heartbeat it's the guitar just going meaning meaning and then it doom, 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 the bass comes in and it's just like almost like the way i describe it is like that's the heartbeat and then the bass is like the defibrillator like bringing it to life and then the the whole song comes out of nowhere and it's just brilliant and then you know there's a straight up hardcore banger like uh great cop which is been used on about 10 different skate videos and i know i'm, I'm speaking to an echo chamber here because you guys both don't care about this at all but from the artwork of the the hazy washington monument with the handwritten like lines like you've been a bad kid and you've got to write out the same lines over and over again to um the the slow to fast parts throughout the record and the aggression I think it's absolutely perfect, and I implore the listeners of this to listen to In on the Kill Taker by Fugazi. I'm not saying anything bad about them musically. Uh, I mean, they are they are a great band. Like, you cannot deny them that at all. Uh, shit, I was watching, like, some other... It's some live video of them. They're kind of playing... It looks like they're playing, like, a, like a high school like auditorium type thing. And just, like, them flowing just, like, as musicians up there and just playing. Like, like I was, like, impressed. I'm like, but I, w- I don't consider them a hardcore band at all. And they would not consider themselves a hardcore band at all. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I really? think they would con- completely consider themselves a hardcore band. I think they would have avoided... I think they avoided the H word as a plague, and they thought... At, I don't know, whatever. This, this is like this touching is lo- into deeper feelings of where I think these dudes went, like Revolution Summer happened, and then I always got that like level of like smugness to it and kind of up your but up your own ass I about this, it. This goes back <laughs> to what we were talking about earlier. I think I'm projecting. Yeah, sometimes you think what the other person's really? thinking uh. about you. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, yeah. there was a Revolution Summer type vibe, and they will, you know, when people would come to their shows and be like, play Myra's Threat and like, you fucking pussies, and like, start wanting to mosh people and things like that. And he would pull out $5 well, and go, Sir. I saw a sir. video. Well, I saw a video of like, you know, him like, like, hey, Mohawk dude, you need to chill. It's like, this fucker, this fucker. He, or, he's no, an authoritarian no, no, grandpa. Like this yeah. dude was out like what, like breaking cameras on like SNL or whatever, you know. So I, I've always been like, but he will he will speak about that. True. He will be like, I thought that was a time and a place. It was true. a time to fuck shit up, and things moved on. For like, sure, we wanted to talk and about like, this that, now. That, things moved on for him though. he doesn't get to dictate. So I think that no, this but, is, but he does get to. In part, what he wants, you know, uh, yeah, people can say "fuck you," I'm leaving. You know, it, it's one of one thing well, or the I'm other. Not going but I've far. no, but 
But so I but think people can. But my thing is why I think they would think they are a hardcore band, and why I think I say they're a hardcore Fugazi band. Fugazi or Embrace? Fugazi. Okay. Because of the hardcore ethics, like to tour the world and only charge five dollars to make sure your record is not more than seven or eight dollars to make sure it's available everywhere to make sure that women can come up front and not feel like they have to be you know like smashed into by some dude and they're trying to create a safe space for everyone and i I understand why you know some people would be like yeah but it's a fucking hardcore show i want to jump off the stage their viewpoint is to say no some people don't want to be jumped on so let's just make it a safe space for everyone and i know that safe space word is ad nauseum in this day and no, age but at the time it was it was a very hardcore thing to do in a hardcore world that didn't want no, that I, to happen well okay let me just say this because i would gonna talk you on the subject Oi. Stop um, yawning at Fugazi, you bastard. Um, I think that the Fugazi call is less egregious than Embrace. Here and here's the here's the <laughs> you won't let that Embrace thing go. Well, here's the reason why is because <laughs> Embrace is like them choosing to not do a hardcore band. Like the whole point of that band is to do something different that's not hardcore. And that's, so that's, that's what not, I think Fugazi so is. That's like, not hardcore. And yeah, I think Fugazi is Fugazi. Like, it's I a think, continuation. I think the hardcore they're... thinking behind both of these things is not necessarily we are choosing to shun hardcore. We are choosing to evolve it in a way that we are moving into another thing. We, are still, hardcore, we are still hardcore people. We still operate in hardcore manners. We still operate in a hardcore world. But we are... We are bringing this to the table. And if you fuck with it, good. If you don't, don't. Okay. It's evolving a little bit towards like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not well studied in the 60s, but it's, I mean, maybe it's just evolving back into like a hippie culture. Well, if you want to like, you know, have a show be nice and safe and sit on the ground and then have Joan Baez play. Like, no one's going to get hurt there. No girls are going to get groped. All right. Okay. You know no what? One's get but, but why, can't, why can't you as an individual? that grew up stage diving and singing, bring that with these ethics, with this sensibility, with this I think thing. You, no, I but, think but you can. why can't you? I think you can, and, but I think that it's not... But I think it's very unhardcore to say that's not hardcore, well, personally. When you, when you take out a level of wildness, I think it loses... But, I, I, but it's so fucking wild. Being hardcore punk rock. It's so fucking wild. No, they, no, they can be wild on stage... The crowd literally has to just stand there. Like why? No, I, they don't though. No, you can you can you can respond in a, in one of three ways that are pre-selected by the band on stage. Tell me this doesn't sound wild. I can just cut it in, Daniel. <laughs> just tell me the song. No, I love I love the iPhone. <laughs> It's great. I'm not saying that food's fucking yeah. hard. Who who, not, who is not. arguing that Fugazi's not a good band? Look, yeah, but doesn't that make, doesn't the way that breaks in doesn't that make you want to slam? <laughs> and that's why you've got it in your bedroom. I it but I want to slam with like-minded people that love the song. And you can do that. 
Okay. Don't cover it. Okay, no. My okay, look, this is this is my beef. And I think I think now if you go let's say you go to a fest, right? You can have a mix of like you know, the one band that's going to sound like Marauder and then one band that's going to sound like, you know, Fugazi. And I'd say this generation can get down to both. Like they're going to beat the shit out of each other during like the Marauder Boldo sounding band. And then they're going to like do the little like nineties emo wiggle guy thing up front for for the Fugazi. But I think we had to go through like a couple generations to get the concert goer on show goer to kind of understand that, to kind of be like, yo, like, Okay, hey, like integrity. This isn't the integrity show, or like you're watching Fugazi, so they definitely want to have like a certain vibe that they're placing. So, well, just look at ceremony, right? Yeah, they they encapsulate all of that in one set. They can do that, true, and there's, and but they're not like shunning anybody or doing that whole like no waving I, finger. And thing. I do understand and that's, that. That's kind of like always been. Like the gripe, my, my yeah. gripe with it. Well, watch instrument. You know, there's the kids that came to the show, like '90s hardcore kids in basketball jerseys that came to the show to fuck shit up, right? And he's like, "I saw you eating ice cream, you ice cream eating motherfucker." You know, they're calling him out for being no. I think like dicks. Like person. Like I think it's like it's definitely like a know your environment type place. Like I'm not going to go to a like a fucking indie rock surf show and start, you know, like throwing spin kicks or whatever. All, like, all I'm, I'm saying that is either. that there is a social message at that grandpa waving your finger thing, Definitely. which is you're probably not thinking of the people around you. A lot of these people don't want to be jumped on. I have to be the authoritarian to tell you off because it's the easiest thing to do and I have the microphone and I am trying to no but I'm trying to make it a place where everyone can come and blah 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 now I don't know if that's right or wrong personally but I think it's pretty fucking hardcore to stand up and stand up to people I I I think they should do secret balloting at the beginning of the show and you get to vote what you want tracks uh, the third song on the set list has been okayed to be a mosh no, song. No, ma- moshing has has been voted down fifty five to forty five, but uh, stage diving is allowed except for foot first. No, I get, I get, I understand. No head No, they still yeah, no head walking. That's that's ninety ten. <laughs> dude, and like why? Like you still got to give props to Discord for just keeping like their records available for dudes to pick up like via distro and like sell it and still not gouge people. Or if you just go up to the house, he invites you in and he shows you around the archive and everything. I I respect all that. Like he still has like the echoes. I'm I'm sure he loves Daniel telling everyone just show up at his house, man. He'll show you around. (laughs) No, I think like, he he burned me in person when, when he did the, the spoken word at UCSD. He no. like clowned they, me. They but definitely, I loved it. Yeah. No, he. They have definitely kept those like original hardcore ethos of like DIY, not being in like keeping the shows five dollars, like keeping the shit all ages. Like yeah, there's but, but, tons of things mm. I respect about them. I don't. That will never consider them a hardcore band. They're just Fugazi. Well, like, and also, also, 
<clears throat> some of that stuff, like holding the prices and stuff, it can be counterintuitive now, um, in my opinion. Like, sometimes we need to charge more. Sometimes, like, bands do have to, like, get more money. True, to, but for, like, of the course, season. but the so, way they, they are showing it is, like, if you... I know, but think about it. Like, door prices should have jumped to $10, like... 10, 15 Before years. Even, sorry, going 10, to 15 years before, like yeah, it did. But and and it's very easy to hold back prices and say everything should be five bucks. It's easy cool. for Gazi to draw to that's when you're drawing a thousand because they're drawing a thousand. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's what I was gonna say to yeah. that. It's like certain bands can do that because it's like, oh yeah, we're drawing a you know like you said a, a thousand kids on Wednesday. Sure, like five bucks is cool for us, right? No, well, but yeah, I definitely, don't want it to all go to the promoter. Yeah. You know, if it was a fifteen dollar show, no, but that the definitely does like, not. That five dollar rule cannot apply to Anybody any else. other thing. But <laughs> yeah. that's another thing, another reason why I beef some of that stuff because I feel like it's 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 all in its own little world and it doesn't well, ever it's like giving, real... it's, it's it's putting rules on people and it's like everyone oh, everyone can... obviously is under different circumstances than them, right? I mean like if you've you've been hardcore famous since you're twenty. And so, for you to be the one that dictate how everything is fifteen, like with yeah, teen yeah. idols, you know? sure, sure. So, but for you to set the rules, like this, you know, a record should only be this, and a show should only be this, and here's how you should behave at a show. Maybe that's like righteous in I, your I mind. Think you're putting too much onto that. I but is it, this? Is this is my ability to say, I'm only charging this for a record. This is I'm going to be transparent. This is how much it costs to make the record. This is how much, but this is why the record's this. He's not saying that it has to be that way for everyone else. On stage, at their own shows, they get no. They, they feel they say, get to dictate the way. I'm not arguing. I'm also behaves. not arguing against Ian McKay or Discord. Obviously, personal heroes. But I think this is a good discussion to have because, like, you know, for most of our our punk punk rock lifetimes, like this has been something that you never question. You know. Yeah. Not definitely. But it is an interesting point, right? Like, to me, I feel it's hardcore. To the two of you, you don't. But it's a fucking banger of a record, and I implore everyone to listen to it and then go... Yeah, there's there's lots of very good up-tempo indie rock out there. Are you putting Jimmy Eat World on your list? I've never even heard that band. <laughs> what? I haven't. No, no, I'm not putting that, them in the same category as Fugazi. No, that's before. like impossible... You've you've heard one of yeah, their songs. You like, definitely it's have. fucking impossible for you not to have heard the middle. Well, I watch I watch most of the uh, reality shows on MTV, so I've heard. Yeah, you've heard. Now you're hearing bands that you've never heard because they don't want to pay real royalties for good shit. shit. Anyway. Anyway, Fugazi, not a hardcore band. Yes, they Moving are. Moving on. Um, <laughs> yes, they are. So now we're all to our final fifth. No, I have two left. Oh, then go ahead. Integrity, humanity is the devil. Beautiful. And so all of Integrity's classic albums come out in the 90s. Yeah. But um, Those Who Fear Tomorrow come out, comes out CD only for the majority of the 90s. When does that get? Those oh, who, it's not until Dwid does it. Huh? Those Who Fear is 91. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it is the blueprint for... It's the blueprint for Earth Crisis. It's the blueprint for Unbroken. It's the blueprint for... I mean, it is the left field crusher. If that was on vinyl, are you choosing that over humanity? Probably... No. Humanity is the Devil is the pinnacle of integrity. It is the absolute best of the songs and the playing and the production and the artwork. It's the compromise but record. But it's a 10-inch. <laughs> it's the compromise record. Because it's probably the best sounding. The artwork is the best. And and that picture on the back. And the, oh, is that, is that the outdoor show? Yeah. Jump with the Melnicks? Yeah. Yeah, the Melnicks. It's, and pretty, it's pretty much like how to dress. Yeah. 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 And, and Dwid looks the coolest then with the short bleached yeah. hair and the basketball jersey. Yeah. And the big fucking X on his chest. It's it's a good mix between, I mean, the way the record oh, sounds Hammers. and still having great songwriting. Um, because, I don't know, the song... I mean, I, first... can, I can sum it up in one part why it's the fucking greatest thing ever is when Abraxas Annihilation goes oh, from, the, from the slower riff and it then kicks into double time. And it kicks in. Yeah, one of the greatest riffs ever. Yamashin. Yes. At home, at the show, maybe even at school, maybe even at your job, Yamashin, no matter where. The slow down part for Trapped Under Silence, where it's like, dun, 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 dun. Just fuck. The production at Mars Studio for that record whoops is it's fucking perfect it's so I mean, much let, brighter than let's just talk systems. about the record starting vocal test yeah it coming from because integrity like demons and all yeah. of these things but then you hear this voice starting out of like the from like middle earth yeah like the mist that's on that vocal effect like it's just like holy fuck and then it goes into the next song Human Furnace and him together with that bass tone yeah that's a strangely like melodic song yeah well all their riffs were very melodic some of it, like, there's, there's that very, like, Metallica-esque on... Uh, but then run through, like, systems. Cleveland soil or something that just makes it sound like it could only come from there. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I, I think it, it's absolutely perfect. Like, Those Are Fear Tomorrow, unbelievable. Like, but the production is nowhere near what this is. No, it's but not it's close. But it's a different thing. But it's got the best songs. It's got great songs the whole way through where humanity which is insane to say because Abraxas is such a standout the whole record is like I want to listen to that as an album you know where it's not like the first record is like giant tracks smacked next to giant tracks like yeah I don't know where this one is like sequenced to be listened to as the whole thing and systems is just a I don't know because I feel like I don't know where it falls off, but it just feels a little. Long. There's a lolly. There's a little bit of lolling. But I don't know why because by my... going to a ten inch, they just compacted that and they didn't. Yeah, but it makes no sense because like my favorite songs on Systems are like in the middle of the record. Yeah. Well, but, like there's just and something... the title track is just it. Yeah, it's a fucking crusher. 
Yeah. That album it sounds a little... You guys have used the word muddy to describe certain records today, and I haven't really agreed Have you heard it. the new, like, Melnick-produced remix of it? I heard, like, the... Who was a guy in the band for a minute? Or? Isn't... There was, like, Or remixes. He must have played, like, the new The newer vinyl, Systems Overloaded, is remixed, I believe, by... So this is the third mix. And it's really fucking good. Okay, I gotta listen to it. Is it, is it on Spotify? Uh, probably. I, I, I don't know. Only listen to records because I'm a real fucking hardcore kid. True. <laughs> True. Well, I just don't know what version I have at home of that one. Um, anything else you want to say about Integrity? Um, my, my favorite song would be Rise off the last good Integrity, well, last good Integrity record of the 90s. Their comebacks, the comeback albums are great. Like that, that last time that they put out was good. Well, it, he always recruits like contemporary dudes that are integrity mega fans, you know, and then gets them in a band and no, that's, they do the job. Yo, know, that's a smart move. If you like get like find like you said, find like a younger younger cat that like likes your band but can also stand on his own, you know, and kind of is doing his own thing and you're going to be able to get like a good take of your your classic sound but it's always going to have you know a new current yeah, current twist that, on it cuz that to die for record i think was just my luck and and twid it was right i it was the it was, it was the jock yeah so the final final word Oh yeah, final yeah, plan. Yeah. The final plan. Final plan. It was the joke. Which the Jockum, the Jockum brothers. Exactly, and they that final plan was integrity worship anyway. Yeah. Well, and a lot of American Nightmare worship. Yeah, yeah, that too. Um, but yeah. Anything else on integrity? Um, the Pusshead artwork for it. It's it, the best art for sure. And and yeah, I mean we've we've glazed over it, but that back picture, and that photo. you you, yeah. you look at it and you're like, what show is this? Why are they outside? Why are they under a bridge? Like, and they're all doing the fucking epic youth crew like jumps at the same. You just like, yeah. I wish I was there. Yeah, I wish I was there. Um, finally, I'm gonna cheat once. Uh, mine is a tie for number five between. The Bastard Wind of Pain LP. And Deathside Bet on the Possibility. If I'm leaning, I I don't know either of these, and I I'm gonna make a decree here that neither of them are hardcore bands. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh we'll listen to them on the way to your show tonight. Um, I'm leaning bastard just because it's the angriest, most intense record maybe ever. It's like I don't know if you if you another terrible comparison that you've knocked me on before, but if you want to say that. Rick the Life is taking 
one voice Roger and turn it up to 11, this is the bastard wind of pain is like taking discharge and turning it to 11 with like, you're still DB, you're a little faster and the vocals are just the most angry fucking thing you've ever heard. Um, I will say the death side bet on possibility. I, it's a little catchier. They fuck with melody yeah, a do. little more. Um, and like some of the riffs on it are just absolutely insane. Um, and we can't, we got to talk about the intro with like the rain and the yeah. fucking, he's, he's ringing out just like those, a, those, a real chord. Yeah. Where are these bands from? Japan. Yeah. It's both Japan. Okay. So that shit is like fucking Kung Fu Hustle. You know, like the part uh, when the guy... We're, we're back. We're back. We're back to come No, when like, there's, there's those two fucking dudes and they're like, yeah. they're fucking shooting like the, the daggers come off like the fucking... Uh, it's about to whatever. pop off. Yeah, it's like, like, dude, it's fucking storming and you're hearing... It's like, some shit's gonna fucking happen. And then the second song on the record, uh, Live, and, Live and Live, that fucking riff that... <clears throat> It's probably my favorite riff ever. And that would be like my ride to battle song. Like if I had to. Like, sorry, dude. Like you have to like get on this horse and ride into battle. Like if I had earbuds, that would be the song I'd play. Um, the Floating Blood. It's like the greatest Motorhead song that uh, never was, you know? And I don't know. I love it. I love it. But I think I'm going to lean bastard on it. Just because it's like... You know what? How, you can have both. How short... Okay. How short is that record? It's really short. But it's just like... It's intense. It fucking bangs. It's... uh, Yeah, it's only eight songs? Ten songs? Yeah. Something. No, it's, it's definitely like... It's just... It's, it's over hard. in a minute. And it's, it's the most brutal thing ever. Without yeah. like... Without going into... Such a funny Grind- band name too, Bastard. Bastard. Without going to Grindcore or Power Violence, yeah, it's, just it's the most intense hardcore punk right album on that line, ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, never dipping into any sort of like blast beat or like the crazy punk beat or anything. It's just full throttle epic and, uh, and more hardcore than Fugazi. Oh, absolutely. Okay. All right, I'll go with my last. I'm going to bring it back to New Age Records. Oh. It's Always Darkest Before the Dawn by Turning Point. Really? Okay, because I would say I enjoy the Turning Point 7-inch more. Yeah, a lot. Oh, the 7-inch, yeah. not, not the split. No, okay, the 7-inch the and then the 7-inch the comp tracks yeah. are my so two favorites. So this is, this is why I love this record so much. Is And we were criticized by a couple people by not having those Turning Point things in the 7-inch, uh, the Turning Point No Escape uh, split. By not having that in the in the seven inches discussion, really? yeah, because 
people fuck with that turning point so heavy, you know, yeah. because it it really kind of births a genre almost. Sure, it's, I mean um, it's it's great, but the, I don't. I'm surprised we didn't talk about it too. The reason I like this is because it's almost to that point, but it's also half in the it's half youth of today. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and then there's the just the weird wild card of the slap bass that like shouldn't work and you shouldn't like it at all, but it fucking really adds to those songs like bang bang. It's good. So I do just you, feel... do you not like Primus that I'm taking? <laughs> no, I fucking hate Primus with a passion. <laughs> Seriously, I really they're they're up there in my worst five bands of all time. Oh, really, I yeah. saw them actually. Jared and I went to go see them at the. Escondido Performing Arts Center play the entire Willy Wonka and the Factory Chocolate Factory soundtrack. It was fucking fantastic. Oh, fuck. Let me just sum sum it up. Like the people that were around me, it's like a YouTube com- like a human YouTube comment section. Like that's the crowd, and it was fucking ripping. I, I just, all I know is that Winona's got a big old beaver. Or something. A big brown beaver. Great <laughs> My song. name is Mud. Great. So I, I saw Primus in 92 or 93 open for Smashing. Maybe Rick the Life is, is the trying s- to sing like the Primus piece. <laughs> going, he's, he's too high. But, you know, no. he probably is. Okay, so this range, the, range, dude. This, yeah. This, this Turning Point LP... It would be hard for me to choose because it's overshadowed by the other material, I think. And it's very it's similar in the way I think about Instead. I just said <clears> the <throat> way it fucking looks, too. He's, like, coming out of the dark with that I youth like, crew jump. Yeah. The I, handprint. I like, like that. The kind of, like, I like I'm all touching that. you on the heart. Like, and the, the song Face Up, can you play where the, much like we talked about, where the, the music goes from one it's like the fastest breakdown. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about like it, it's yes. coming after a fast part to a breakdown. The breakdown is so fast, but so good. And then it goes a little bit. So it's time for you to face up. And I, I fucking God, I, I love that so much. And then the title track is just, yeah. it is epic. Now there are parts of the album that can't hold up to these other parts that described, but in general, I think this era has taught us one thing, is that a lot of bands maybe included one or two extra songs that they sh- probably should have trimmed to make you know a record perfect. But I'll live with it because I, I love the emotion coming out of such a youth crew-like mm-hmm. presentation. And it, it just it ticks all the boxes for me, and I, I really love that record. Yeah, I just think the seven inch is so much better, um, and it's they. I I put it in kind of with the instead, like the LP, is just not as good as seven inch. Like the instead seven inch is so fucking good. That's something we never we didn't talk about on the seven inch episode. Do either of you guys or the eighties really will make the difference? Yeah, it's f- phenomenal, Greg. Yeah, I never really dived too much into instead. The seven inch is like every single song is a hit. It's pretty wild. And then I fucking love that song on the second instead LP. So that 
I'm not condemning those who choose metal riffs or write lyrics that don't make any sense. This is instead this is will the, be the same. This is the second time he's freestyled this song. God damn, I love that song, dude. I remember when they played Ventura, there was a bunch of us that started freestyling that because they weren't going to play it. And, and so then we, they we had just, to go into it? No, we sang like half the song for them, but they didn't Did they know put the mic it. out? Yeah, they were stoked. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's a great song. Yeah. But, you know, they thought everyone was showing up to hear Bonds of Friendship, period, <laughs> you know? Which is, I love that album cover, but it's, it, people, some people think that album cover is terrible. I think it's amazing. Yeah. I think there's nothing more sincere than that album cover. Ryan Fredette's only tattoo. Yeah, and it, it's the I most... the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like this fucking stand by me yeah. type it's shit. It's so sincere. Like, the music's so sincere, and then the artwork, like... Anyone who fucks with Instead are idiots because they just mean well, you know? <laughs> <laughs> They're nice boys. They mean well. All right, Craig. Hit us with the final countdown. Here's the final one, dude. I hope it's as good as uh, the Embrace Hill. <laughs> Greg, what's your last? Well, I was... <laughs> no, I was going to say um, I'm a poser because I didn't know there was the LP version. I was going to put Those Who Fear... I didn't know that was a strictly strictly <coughs> CD only, which for the nineties, but but it is now available on LP, and we've we've talked about it, like and the influence. Unless you want to add to yeah, that, yeah. I want to. I, I, one thing I think we should talk about before Shit. we do that because we we talked about that record a little bit. We'll go into it more, but let's talk about the nineties and then also uh, records that did not make it. I got, I got to vinyl. I got I got oh, one that didn't. Make it the vinyl. I just have like an honorable mention, okay. and this is uh, kind of polarizing in a way, but like because this happened years after the fact that these records came out. But um, what are anybody's uh, honorable mentions? Um, I feel like all the ones you guys chose were really good. I, mean, um, I do want to talk about the some bands that didn't make it to LP though. Well, I, I before we jump from to there, I just want to like another thing that technically probably wouldn't be called hardcore. It's more hardcore adjacent. But Slip by Quicksand that's a honorable mention for yeah. me. I know it's not traditionally just straight up hardcore, but God, what a no, fucking I, record! No, I love that record. And then wait, oh, no. So who was I talking to about this? But who, uh, since we got '90s dudes in the rooms, did Tool rip off Quicksand on on a certain song? I don't know. Are we speaking about more pedophiles? Oh, was the Tool guy? Tool guy a pedo? Yeah. Well, no, my no. friend Dana was 13 when she went and saw them, and he asked for a phone number and would call her repeatedly. Oh, weird. Mm. creepy and she she's lucky that she says like I'm lucky my brother was such a mega fan and would jump on the phone as well because she's like I would have done anything I loved him you know creepy I'm not familiar with Tool's catalog and other than what dude what about that they wrote the ultimate straight edge song didn't they <laughs> why can't we all be sober <laughs> there's a difference between choosing to be straight edge and be it sober. Boom. Damn hot take. 
Was that like some deep AA shit? Well, no, it's just that, you know, like... It's never too late to start. the sickest drug-free tattoo on my forearm. You know, if you like real 90s shit. <laughs> that is real 90s. It is. Yeah. Uh, you know, and people always come up to me like, Hey, man, how long you been clean? My whole life. Oh. Since Destroy the Machine. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, go ahead and talk about your CD, Zach's CD Corner. Yeah, well, I just want to say that <laughs> if if this came on LP, it would be top three for me in the 90s, which is Powerhouse No Regrets. I think it's one of the greatest hardcore albums ever. It's like total wild style. It's total awesome mix between old school and new school New York hardcore. Um, lyrically, it's great. Sonically, it's great. The drumming is out of this world ridiculous. Um, it's also cool because it's like East Coast dudes move to California, meet up with California dudes, <clears throat> and this weird this weird brand of East Coast hardcore comes out of the you know Northern California, in, but has that California tinge to it. Yeah, but a, a very yeah, very yeah, New York vibe, but making it their own Oakland brand hardcore. You exactly. Know? And I just love that record so much. I also love the seven inch, the Pandemonium seven inch, and I do enjoy the second record as well that also only came out on CD. Um, it just lost a little bit of the wildness. It was a little bit more of a a thought out, like kind of kind of going a little more in the Madball direction, which is just really really hard to do and uh it was just a more thought out record where um no regrets was just full wild style it was a lot of the songs off the the demo they did um and it's just it's a crazy record that again like a lot of that 90s shit you could never put people in the studio and have them walk out with a record sounding like that and uh i just love it and then also i wanted to mention uh I love the Hoods Alone LP. Um, I actually love most of the Hoods catalog, and I feel like they're a criminally underrated band. Um, when Mikey was playing guitar, Mikey was like a pretty insane guitarist and underrated in that regard. And then as far as songwriting, he's the guy that came in and out of like playing like the punk and metal stuff, like really good. And though he was at, like a lot of the Hood stuff was a huge influence on the way I wrote songs because it was like, I don't know, it was hardcore and metal, but very like, a lot of it was like sporadic. The uh, the makeup of the songs were not traditional, but they still had like that hardcore spirit of like keeping the songs like short. When did, when did Hoods kind of just drift into like just kind of straight goon territory? I think that like, they the lineup that they had for like the alone LP because I feel like the early hoods shit has like that like hardcore spirit as a part as opposed to just like oh hey venue's gonna get shut down right now on the later shit yeah I don't know I don't I don't know if it ever went 
goon as you as you describe. Because um, I don't really know. I I saw Hoods probably the last time would have been a couple years ago when they came down here. Um, they played over one of the spots like in City Heights. Not oh yeah, not Tower Bar. What's the other one? Um, it used to be like a bigger venue, then they cut it in half. Oh, till two club. Yeah, till yeah. two. That was cool. Um, they just they play newer stuff now, and then they played the the Chula joint when at the like the rec center. You remember that you were doing yeah. shows that for a while with uh, shit was Furious Styles on that show. I don't. I think Possibly. that would have been too late for Furious Styles, right? I, don't I guess know. it was ten years ago. Anyway, I just I love Hoods, um, and I think Mikey he had to switch to singing because. He couldn't keep a singer. Well, we actually, but Ben was such a good singer, and he had that voice, like the very Roger, um, yeah, one voice era voice. No, we played with. Uh, we did like a, a, a tour, sheer terror, and we played in Sacramento, and we played in a booze fighters motorcycle clubhouse mm-hmm. with like a gajillion like Central Valley beatdown bands. And uh, and Hoods was like the headliner. Yeah. No, Sheer Terror was the headliner, but then like Hoods played right before, and uh, Hoods fucking crushed it. This is literally one of the longest days of my life is being in a biker compound, mm-hmm. but uh, definitely, definitely heavy dude presence. Yeah. But seeing the Hoods in like that environment, I was like, dude, this is fucking, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, they're great, and. Uh... Yeah, if you haven't heard that alone EP, I'm I'm not trying to be a hipster like shouting out to the early stuff, but uh, what's that record? Time the Destroyer. It's Which, great. What year is that? Is that 2001 mm, or earlier? Okay, that's the first LP, like LP LP. They did so many recordings and there's like a bunch of splits. Yeah, their first seven inch is like 94 on Rick the Life's label though, 94 95 on Back to Basics. And then they do a split with Lockjaw from uh, Buffalo. Shout out Sweeper, if you ever listen. And uh, yeah, and then I think they do the Alono EP. And just it just sounds really good. I'll play it for you guys if you're not familiar with it. That's all I got. 185 miles south. Why Why is there no uh, Palpatine 14 and Ways to Embrace Death in CD Corner? Why is there no uh, Voice <laughs> of Defiance, Oxnard Hardcore? Oh, I guess... Yeah, I never did an LP in the 90s. Lightweight. I know. I didn't do an LP until the year 2001. Yeah, neither did I. I was in elementary school. (laughs) Palpatine did an LP? A CD. It only was a CD, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I was listening to... um, I was definitely bumping fucking Offspring Smash, like, front to back, dude. Hard. Then? Oh, fuck yeah. No, well, there was the radio hits, and then everything sandwiched in the radio hits was, like, all, like, the, just, like, faster SoCal shit. I will say... I love that record. That that record, the last few tracks on it are, like, the best. Oh, fuck yeah. Like, you you talk about front-loading records, like, that one is, like... I'm trying to think of the fucking song I like so much. I can't remember. Kill boy <laughs> to all the, no, to all the listeners. One. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very sorry. Oh yeah, hold on, hold on. Let's talk I'm about fucking Fugazi. Do what I want. Do what I feel like. 
I'm not a Uno, dos, tres, cinco, cinco, cinco. Well, that, that came later. That came that came two records later. Hey, the the way it starts off, that song Nitro, mm-hmm. Youth Energy. Very, yeah, the drum It's fucking sick. Yeah, dude. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, dude, I was in like Shout fucking out to like second grade, dude. Shout out to Noodles if you're listening. <laughs> 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 All right, anything else on this one? Um... We'll be back for the 2000s, so we're sorry about that. <laughs> yep. It was already long Yeah, enough. tune in next episode to hear about records from only 2000 to 2002. <laughs> uh, except I for know, Greg what, what doing is 2008 list? to 2010. Oh, no. It'll be, it's going to encompass them. Wow. Now. I'm joking. Yeah. That's, yeah. And, and who's going in the 2000s Hall of Fame? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And don't forget... To donate to the Patreon. Um, and then there'll soon be a, a single Daniel Sam Patreon coming up soon. So, no, just kidding. Donate to Zach. Seriously, he does this out of love for doing this and preserving hardcore and making it like a social document. And you really should chip in because you get this for free. And, you know, a dollar a month is not going to kill you. Yeah, and, we, and eventually we got to have the Patreon-only podcast, 400 Miles North, where Daniel only talks about Ian McKay projects. <laughs> no, where I talk about quality records for quality people. That's the name of my... I'm not a trendy asshole. Do what yeah. I want. Hey, do what I feel Ch- like. Chip in and hit them. You want feedback? Would you want suggestions? Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, feedback, suggestions, you know what to do. Yeah, because I, I have to hear it through the grapevine when people are like, Oh, why, why isn't Zach like interviewed this person? Or yeah, suggest who the topics and things that you want to see happen on the podcast. Also, make sure you chime in with what your favorite Offspring song is. We really need to know that. Yeah, and personally, mine is "Kill the President." That's on one of their later '80s releases. I will say that I probably do have a favorite Offspring song, "Kick Him When He's Down." I think that's a pretty we all do. It's a pretty good song. I like the reason to believe LP more, and they sound a lot like Offspring. Dude, when demons dance or whatever, what is that? You're not familiar with the reason to believe? No, I'm familiar with it, but I I don't see the offspring correlation that much. The the singing is kind of similar. The track called Bad Habit on Smash. Ooh. Because I got a bad habit. There's a part. There was a part, and my brother and I, so we'd have the cassette in the the old Corolla, and my mom would be driving, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And there's a part where, like, he breaks it. And he goes, like, you stupid, dumb shit. Goddamn motherfucker. Liar fucker. What? I know. So, <laughs> what, like, like we'd be driving. I and, know. like, every time that part would come on, like, my brother would just, like, turn the volume all the way down and just, like, bring up, like, some type of conversation with my mom. And then, like, he'd be like, hey, did you? And then just crank it back up to it, like. We had time because if that part came on, that shit was going in the trash. It was going roadside records. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I just got to say, sorry, dear listener, but you've been exposed to a lot of offspring talk from two people who tried to rail and trash Fugazi into oblivion. Yeah, so dudes that like offspring did what dudes that like offspring do. It didn't make my list, dude. Hey, you got to keep them separated. I'll- you got to keep this <laughs> separated. <laughs> Smash. Dude, how about another sign? Another another sign of the Smash times makes my top five. Fuck all on y'all that, on that on that Offspring record. Total sign of the times doing uh like a secret track, 
but this one was just garbage. It's just the guy noodling on that stupid riff. His name is Noodles. His name is Noodles. Dude, when Noodles, Noodles. Play, 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 play the tracks of Noodles Noodles, Noodles. That shit is fucking rough. That's a that's a new band name. That could be. Yo, we are when Noodles, Noodles. Dude, that's a new Death by Stereo track. That's Shade. No, that's, they have the silly song titles like that, right? Shade Rattle. Anyway. <laughs> shout out. The Minor Family. <laughs> Later. <laughs>